Hey boomers, in these uncertain times, when all of us- Stop! Yeah, that's really gloomy. That's not what this podcast's for. Okay, it's 1994 again. Here we go! Oh, boomers! <laughs> Welcome once again to another issue of Sonic the Comic the Podcast, your fortnightly look back at the Sega stationary world of the 1990s and the UK's official Sega comic, and what a comic it is this fortnight! <laughs> Dave! Hey, here's Abby! Hello! Yeah. <laughs> we got a guest! Hello! <laughs> Yeah, Abby's here, and so we thought we'd put her on the podcast. Okay. I feel like Abby is less a guest and more the unofficial third member of the crew. I thought you were going to say mascot. Yeah, um, <laughs> Abby is our, our resident... I'll be a mascot. Well, since Abby was last on our podcast, she has uh, put on many new hats that our interesters might be listened in. <laughs> she's, uh, she's now... Uh, a storyboard artist. She, she used oh, to be they, an art droid for 2018. She's now a storyboard artist for cartoons. They know that. Yes. Okay. But now. Now, I also draw Sonic. I'm now also working. I have done some work for the IDW Sonic comic. Yeah. Is- Covers, comics. It's a dream come true. I was going to say you name it, but but that is it. But that's the things. <laughs> Those are the things you can draw in comics. Comics and covers. <laughs> I suppose pinups. Do they do pinups in IDW? I don't. No. no <laughs> I haven't no, seen one. Don't. <laughs> What's that like to do, Abby? It's great. Are they nice at IDW? They're lovely. Yes. Hooray. Yes, very much. Will any of your uh, work be out now by the time that our listeners hear this episode? <laughs> I mean, I don't know anymore. I don't know when they're going to come out, thanks to the Backstreet Boys reunion tour. <laughs> we have no idea. Um, but you know what? I'm just going to say, I'm lucky, but if you know any artists who normally would work on comics who currently had their work paused, you should go and support them. If you've still got a job that you're able to do from home, go and commission all the cool people who like work at IDW and stuff and all those other comic companies you love. Go and give them your love because they've been doing this stuff for years and they deserve it. Help them out. I'll be off. Stop, stop, stop. Back to the podcast we recorded back when we thought it would be out. My um, first cover should be out, and that's the A cover for issue 28. So do pick that up from your local comic book shop. No, don't. No, no don't. Get no. it ordered in. Order it in. Have it Order posted it out to you. Practice social distancing. That's who Abby is. You know who me and Chris are. But who or what is the Sonic Terminator? That's the question emblazoned across the top of this issue. You know, it's funny. I always thought how the first issue... It, in retrospect, you didn't you didn't know going in. But in retrospect, I always thought it was a little odd how the first issue of this story arc didn't even get the cover. And in fact, no part of this story will ever get the cover. <laughs> what? Wow. <laughs> what? Yeah, it's but, so weird. I guess we I guess we Such still Such a big story. Yeah, I guess we still remember it as a big story, so maybe they didn't it didn't need the cover, but like that is weird, especially when who does get the cover is just this rando from some fighting game. When we're <laughs> when we're talking Metal Sonic, okay, he's not in it yet, so we're not yet talking Metal Sonic, but but we are. <laughs> are you yeah. denying us the fish cake, Dave? 
<laughs> Before we go any further, this is issue number 24 of Sonic the Comic. Released on Saturday the 16th of April, cover dated April 29th. That's right. Chris persists in understanding that. Uh, Listen, <laughs> nowhere else on the internet has this right. Oh, it's a scoop. So it's our job. <laughs> Everywhere on the internet lists it by cover date. Yeah. They're wrong. Yeah. You can see why they would be tempted to do that. But they're wrong. So Clash of the Trident, it says. The Eternal Champions, winners or losers? And uh, Chris, what's this a picture of here? What's he doing? It's Trident. He's underwater yeah. and he's slashing at something off uh, off page with his trident. It's like a metal pipe out of which are coming cut wires that yes. he's severed with his with his trident, with his which trident. is by the way a hand. He's not just carrying a trident. This mm. guy has a trident for a hand. Aquaman style of the era. Wait, did Aquaman have a trident hand yet? Done. Who am I asking? Abby, do you know if if Aquaman I happened thought... to have his trident hand by ninety four? I thought that was a recent thing. Yes, it would be. Oh well, he, it was happened in the nineties, but. Hmm. He might not have had it yet by this point. We have to look that one up. So is it possible, therefore, that DC Comics copied Eternal Champions? Copied? Oh, good. I'm glad you just agreed with that. Actually, yes. I rolled with it. So yes. Uh, so DC Comics. Yeah. Did they? Could they have? It's possible. The research I've done suggests that he got it in September of 1994. So yes, DC very definitely copied Sega. Did he also have a, a, a weirdly rectangular gun? Oh my. God, I've never really noticed it, but I used to draw this gun. <laughs> In lieu of my ability to draw guns, I would draw just a rectangle with little bits poking out of the end. Barrel, yeah. that, That's about as well as I can draw guns. But I, I thought I <laughs> came up with it myself as a means of avoiding drawing guns. Whether or not I copied it from this, I, I guess we'll never know. That is the blaster trident tore off the arm of a cyber fighter in the future last <laughs> issue. Was it last yes. issue? Was the issue before last? It was last I issue, wasn't it? I think it was last issue. Handily equipped, as we mentioned, with a normal grip and trigger, even though it's attached to a person's arm. Yes. <laughs> uh, this is by John Howard, the art, the uh, who did ah. uh, it did last issue and has done this issue, the art for the final two chapters of Eternal Champions. Yes, the Eternal Champions get the cover here because it's the final chapter of Eternal Champions. This issue. Well, what we've got is actually quite similar to the previous Control Zone, if I'm not mistaken, because you've got the... Uh, do you remember how last time there was two books covering yep. up half the welcome screen? <laughs> well, we have those again, but it's two different books, but listed here for a very similar reason. But first of all, in the welcome screen, well, the, the, the most interesting bit from our perspective is this first bit, Sonic's world. You've flooded us with questions about Sonic and his home planet, so get ready to have them answered in a brand new series starting in SDC 25. Not this issue. They're getting us ready. Mm. The, the, yep, the control zone is all um, all promotion because Sonic's World and then Streets of Rage is also back next issue as well. Yeah, oh, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, it's a good idea. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, I did a little look. I asked this question last uh, issue and before we get to Streets of Rage next issue because they just point out here again that um, Axel, Max and Blaze are back um, with a new character, Meet Skates. And I checked mm. it and he is just... Skit singular oh, really? in the game, yeah, which is oh. rubbish. And skates is a much better <laughs> skates name is for better. somebody on skates. He's not on one skate. One skate. No, I suppose it. I suppose he does skate. I mean, he does. Yeah, but like Sonic isn't called Run. Yeah, and <laughs> Knuckles isn't called Knuckle. <laughs> <laughs> That's very weird, though. That they would just go outright change the name of a character presumably accidentally and then yeah i was gonna say it. i think it's <laughs> accidental rather than deliberate because um 
it must it's, it's it seems like the sort of uh, playground game of telephone, you know? Yeah. That somebody heard that he was called that, and then someone else told exactly. someone else. And... Skates is the Kinto bar of Street <laughs> <Rage>. <laughs> More adverts for new stuff. Uh, yep. Sonic the Poster Mag number four is out next week. Yeah. Uh, and uh, as always, we will have a little uh, bonus episode about that. We will indeed. It'll be a very little one, I think. It will. I think most of the Poster Mag episodes will be quite little because they're not all brimming with racism like the previous one. <laughs> brimming with racism in like a little star-shaped <laughs> circle on the front cover. Brimming with racism, Christmas Feely 2020. <laughs> <laughs> they, and it's all led up to this podcast. That was, that was written on the cover 26 years ago. <laughs> Now here we are fulfilling the prophecy. Prayers for Sonic the Poster Mag, brimming with racism. Or worse, it says like absolutely brilliant and uncontroversial Chris McFeely, in, and that's listed under praise for Sonic the comic. You know, how, you know how authors have praise for their previous book. <laughs> Uh, and uh, as far as Shinobi goes, yes, he is also one of the two books that we have over to the right of the welcome screen. Yeah. Previously, we had two books collecting um, Sonic strips. We but did. this issue, we have Shinobi the Fear Pavilion and Streets of Rage Bad City Fighters. Does Bad sound like City a child Fighters. named that one. <laughs> bad um, City Fighters! So are they city fighters who are bad? Yeah, or are they fighters of the bad city? Yeah, incompetent I mean, streets of rage. Not bad yeah. as in incompetent, bad as in 1990s, <laughs> bad. God, I do, I, do you know what? Taking into account that it might mean 1990s bad, or I suppose 1980s bad, I genuinely don't know which of those two things it is. I know, that's the charm, isn't it? <laughs> are they the bad city fighters? Or are they the bad city fighters? Because the second Coming one Coming in is... at number five, the bad city fighters with <laughs> streets of rage. <laughs> yeah, they all wear plaid. Yeah, the... um. <laughs> The, the the second one is more incompetent as a title. The bad city, they're fighting in the bad city. <laughs> yeah. But the first one is outdated language, so I don't know. Uh, but either way, these books collect the... Comp where the Sonic books only had four issues apiece, these collect the full um, six-issue serials, the first serials of both Shinobi and Streets of Rage. Uh, easily the best choices, I think. They could have made... Oh, well, yeah. no, no, Kid Chameleon would have been good, too. Ah, you'd have liked it. I think these are better. <laughs> Fair enough. Kid Chameleon's cool, but I don't know. Who's buying a book on the basis of that? Actually, that might be part of it, because Kid Chameleon is probably more popular among STC readers than among, you know, gamers of the time, whereas oh, Shinobi and Streets of Rage were. Having just completed title. a playthrough of Kid Chameleon on the Sega no Mega way. Drive Mini, I, I mean, don't say no way, it was only accomplished through judicious and liberal use of save states. <laughs> I don't Still. know how anyone could ever have completed that game back in the day <laughs> i think you should have i think you should have streamed that believe me it would have been a lot of swearing and resetting so it would not have been <laughs> an entertaining stream <laughs> so yeah doing the thing again where it's uh, they're not just advertising that the books exist they're oh, giving yes. them away it's a compo it's a compo so you just have to write your name and address down and send it off to Sonic Thriller, Sonic the Comic, 25 to 31, Tavatok Place, London E32NN. It's not. It's WC1H9SU. <laughs> and you got to get them in by the 9th May 1994. So, listeners, you're going to have to really hurry that one along if you want to reach the uh, the end date there. And the first 50 pulled from Axel's old police cap will each receive one of the two <laughs> books. Sorry, no choices. It has to be an old. It has to be the character's old thing. Yeah, well, how else would you, you know, I mean, he need, if he needed his hat, he couldn't put all that stuff in it. <laughs> he could. <laughs> he might. I mean, it would be an inconvenience. Yeah. <laughs> 
And then just down below, it's it's more promotion. STC's Good Reading Guide reminding us that uh, poster oh, is number it? three... Is well, it a good reading guide? Two-thirds. Two-thirds. Reminding in us STC's that... Bad Reading Guide, mm. and not in the 80s sense. <laughs> re- reminding us that poster mag number three and the Eternal Champion special are both on sale now, and as mentioned, Sonic poster mag number four with giant shinobi action... That uh, one's fine. You can you can read that in the Eternal Champions special. It's just number three poster bag you want to turn down. You want to sort of skirt around that one. Yeah. Do a big swerve around it. Leave some super skid marks. <laughs> the Did you spot that Sonic 3 zooming in at number one there? There he is. He's right there. Yay! Number one new top of the charts. But I mean, of course he is. You know, people did keep on releasing flipping sports games, but as soon as Sonic was here, of course he ends up in the top spot. And we all knew why that was. We all knew what was really up in the Mega Drive charts. All those sports games, they were just filler. I'm so sick of sports games. <laughs> I, I'm not even playing them. It's 2020, and I'm not. Yeah. it's not like I'm being bombarded with the marketing for them. I'm so <laughs> sick of cracking this comic open and being rewarded with sports games. <laughs> We've subjected ourselves to the marketing for these, we have to admit. Yeah, we really have. God, yeah, there is a lot. And it, I mean, look, what it tells you is it tells you about British kids. That's what they're into. And uh, sports. that's why we had such a difficult time navigating British kids. <laughs> when we were them. <laughs> The Sonic Terminator, Part 1. Written by Nigel Kitching, art by Richard Elson, and letters by Steve Potter. While Dr. Robotnik is putting the finishing touches to his newest, deadliest creation, Sonic and the Freedom Fighters are captured while trying to prevent the mass arrest of the Emerald Hill folk. They're loaded onto an airship, but it soon turns out Sonic wanted this to happen. He has previously coordinated with Captain Plunder and his Mystic Cave Pirates to back them up, and when the pirates arrive and board the slave ship, the baddies are beaten and the hill folk rescued in short order. Unfortunately, during the post-battle chat, Porker Lewis accidentally reveals the hidden location of the Chaos Emeralds to Filch, and the pirates speed off to steal them. Oh, Porker. What a wally. (laughs) Before we uh, rip into this, um, do you know what we completely forgot to mention last issue? And it is only a little thing, but I noticed it immediately back in the day, and I can't believe I didn't bring it up, is... The whole um, title logo has changed. Has it? As of last issue, yes. As of last issue, it used to be Sonic the Hedgehog in a big uh, jaggy box that would be within the art itself, with oh, the yeah. uh, with the title in a little uh, a little um, box underneath that. That's but right. now it has its own title bar across the top, like several of the other strips in the right. comic. Right. So instead of having to you know do a big opening panel with a page, gap. Yeah. Rich here has done sort of one panel less, as it were, one thin panel less. And in fact, the, the layout on this particular page um, balances that perfectly because you have the strip, the thin title bar along the top, and then the next panel is a page width strip, and the next one is a slightly taller page width strip, and then the rest of the page is, you know, they're, they're a little bit taller each time until we get to a big action shot right at the bottom. What's happening on this page, Chris? It's an interesting one. It's Sonic, and he's running towards us, but mm. then something catches up to him yeah. and speeds past him and sends him flying with a big, like, electric scritch or something. Yeah, there's lightning going everywhere, and and there's, to us, at the time, as of as now, 
no mystery as to what this shape is. No. Yeah. That is Metal <laughs> Sonic. You can see he's you know he's in silhouette, but you can see the sort of moon-shaped curvature of his spines. You can see the sharp spiked fingers that he's scritching past Sonic. We've heard the page to see Sonic recovering from the blow, but then he is electrocuted by this unseen assailant. Yes. But uh, then as Grimer steps in and orders this thing to stand down, we find out it's only a practice robot of Sonic. Yes, I love this, because it turns <laughs> out that Robotnik and Grimer are perfectly capable of building a completely realistic Sonic robot. <laughs> but, <laughs> but they instead, instead chose to create <laughs> the black-eyed monstrosity that is Metallics. <laughs> I never thought of that before. Obviously, because this robot can run at Sonic speed as well, yeah. presumably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they could, if they wanted to, they could make all sorts of nefarious plans where they fool everybody into thinking Sonic is doing anything they want. But that's not their plan. Their plan is to make a horrible monster that kills Sonic in a horrible way. And like, I think that's in character for Dr. Robotnik and Grimer. <laughs> oh, yeah. But uh, this two-page prologue is the only allusion to the title of the strip because uh, as i think i pointed out yes. last time other otherwise we are what we're really reading is the second part of a three-part story about the mystic cave pirates yeah but they've simply chosen to to label it uh, uh, the sonic terminator part one you notice that it's a uh, operation terminate sonic that's what robotnik says they're going to begin yes. time to begin operation terminate sonic when it was uh operation metallics right. back at the end of issue 22 but don't we know that it was in the script Operation Terminate Sonic and then switched in the edit to Operation Metallics? Oh, was it? No, yeah, oh, I don't Yeah, so, so here there's a bit of a continuity problem going on there, but we now know why. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, Operation Metallics is a much better closing line for yes. a strip. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, Operation, whereas here, this is, it's, a, it's better, a better title here at the yeah. start of the story to tie in with the title, yeah. But what are you going to do? Why do you think they did go with the Sonic Terminator part anything when this would have would really have made more sense as, you know, Captain Plunder part two? I don't know, to be honest. I don't know why they chose to go this route. Uh, maybe just to build the story up more. Yeah. I mean, I know I was excited when I was oh, reading it. Like, oh, yeah. Because, yeah, you know it's going to be Metal Sonic. Yeah. But, it, oh, oh, those little tastes. You, the silhouette on the first page. Oh. I love that. The, I love uh, that drawing. And the and him in the tank a couple of episodes yes. ago. Or last episode or whatever it the was. The beautiful profile shot. Beautiful profile shot. Yeah. And this is where we're really like, we we are looking at Richard Elson artwork and we're learning yeah. his name now. Yeah. Like before, it was like, oh, this art's the best so far. Now it's like, right, who did yeah. this? Yeah. <laughs> How many of these realistic Sonics do you think they've been making yeah. and killing yeah. and programming to go ah in vain? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's some sinister stuff. It's just a bit of a side project that they've been having on their own. This is the start of. Badass Amy Rose to me. That's what I was gonna. Yeah. I was uh, actually yeah. what look, I was gonna say. That, look at that third panel and look at how cool she looks. Yeah. <laughs> she is gung ho to stop it. We can't let him turn all those people into badniks. And then if you flip the page, <sighs> so you cooler. see it's the debut of her crossbow. Yeah, oh, really? Yeah, it is. It is. It's so it unassuming is. for something that would become to us like her signature weapon. Yeah. This is yeah. whatever four or five years before there would ever be a hammer in the picture, you know? Oh yeah, no, and you can hardly see it. It just looks like she's got a little gun or something. Yep. But we now know that it's a 
What's the word for a gun-style crossbow? Is that just crossbow? <laughs> Mini crossbow? I don't know. Well, she you can see her using it uh, during the fight later in the strip as well. But it, it's still quite, you know, small. She's 100% a freedom fighter. Yep, she There's, is. She's in she's the mix now. of the team. She's got the same cross-patch expression on that Sonic has. I know. I love the way Richard gives her that. Yeah. It's... it's... It, it's really there is cool. no, there's genuinely <laughs> nothing separating her from the rest of the team, and that's. Do you know great. who it doesn't really work for though? To jump a few pages ahead though, here is after the the pirates arrive and we have the let's rumble page, and Porker looks ready to fuck <laughs> someone's oh up. Oh gosh! <laughs> but <laughs> to, then to boing someone's pedal. Yeah, but then he is nowhere <laughs> in evidence in the fight in the next panel. Oh yeah, do you know it doesn't it that that. Facial expression doesn't suit him, does no, it? No, it doesn't, because what's Porker going to do in a fight? <laughs> no <laughs> harm to Porker, but... No, but he actually hasn't got a weapons fight. No, yeah, that. he doesn't. Like, Tails and Sonic can spin attack things. Johnny's got his stick, Amy's got her crossbow, but Porker Porker doesn't have anything. Do you know he what? hasn't got hands yet. He doesn't no. even have hands, yeah! <laughs> if it's me, here's what I'm doing, right? If, I'm, if, if STC starts up again and I get the job right in it, what Porker can do is maybe he's got a little device that doing it just shoots off a little connector that clicks onto the robot and starts to bleep 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 lights going across its veins, you know, so that now he's got access to the tech. He's putting dongles on them so that he can control them, that sort of thing. Speaking of the robots, why are they white in this issue? Yes, uh, yeah, all the trooper bandings are, are sort of silver white, whereas usually they're they're blood red, aren't they? Mm. I. I you know, for a moment, I wondered if Rich was up against the clock and just didn't want to paint him. But that was he, my he, thought when I was a kid. I was like, they forgot to colour them. But of course he has painted them. He's yes. done elaborate, you know, blue chrome shine stuff on them and grey stuff. So it wouldn't have taken any less time than usual. Oh, please tell me you spotted the guy with a buzzsaw in his head. Yes, yeah, look at that, that. Guy. I made a note about that guy. It's, so, when, so in a minute, and we'll tell you about this guy, but we get a guy called Trusk. And as he appears, behind him is a, a lineup of Trooper Badniks. One, and only one of which, has a full circular blade sticking through its helmet in the way that, to me, implies he put it there himself to look hard. Well, I think it's <laughs> supposed to be like the robotic equivalent of like a, a, a spike on a German helmet or, or, yes. a, or a crest on a Roman helmet or but something also, like that. But also with a certain visual element of a mohawk as it, well. And yeah. I imagine that the way that guy applied it was just by leaning into a table saw until it got launched. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I only notice now as an yeah. adult... Um, I think it even contradicts something I've said in the past, oh. is that look at these robots. Like, really look at them. Yeah. Everyone is different. Yeah. Yes. Every one of the trooper badniks is is God different in right. the details. And I, my memory of them is as generic, identical, faceless legions. And maybe they become that still, or maybe that's the product of other artists aside from Elson drawing them. Oh, maybe. But, uh, but here... Uh, yeah, every one of them is different. But then, but the one you really only truly notice is the is the one with the buzzsaw lodged <laughs> yeah. in his yeah, head. Yeah, the, the funniest one. Do you feel yeah. like he's getting a little bit of his 2000 AD feelings out here? <laughs> well, there's a. I think there's a tendency to think of STC as being manned by frustrated 2000 AD artists. <laughs> but I don't think they're frustrated anymore. They're getting to play in just the sort of playground well, yeah. they like now. Just look at the design on this trust guy. Yes. Yeah. He looks like he's right out of a Ghibli film. 
<laughs> yes. He's got the little belt. So he's a big, what, German commander type guy, would you say? Well, he's just a military commander of some kind. He's uh, Yeah, but he's got the kind of Colonel Clink look to him. He's got his... Um, well, he's got a monocle, which, monocle. Is, which is what'll do it anyway. <laughs> yeah, he's covered in belts and coats and things. But look at the logo on his belt. Yeah, oh, little tiny oh, Robotnik face. Little Robotnik head. Absolutely beautiful. Made like, and it's made. It's the belt clip is. It's like one of the. It's like it's like a horse brass. It's one of those things that's like a hollow circle with shapes inside, and the shapes are the the new Robotnik's head. Oh, that's lovely. I think, yeah, they, they must have machined that fairly quickly. <laughs> do, you think, do you think there was like a, a military-wide recall? Of yeah, they had some meltdowns. They put out new ones with Robotnik's new head on them. Well, look, they put together who knows how many realistic-looking Sonic robots just for him to practice on. They can do a few belts. We don't know that Trusk isn't a robot now. Look at his no, gold. I, his tusks are gold. No, no. I mean, I think he's a he's a wart. First of all, he's a warthog. He's a warthog. We need to not say a, that he's a big old warthog. Definitely not a man. Definitely not a people. I like the idea that there are you know native Mobians who, who did turned. in fact sign up yeah. to, to Robotnik for for money and power. Yeah, traitors. This is a, this is one of them. Traitors. I like to think he got those tusks plated and he's uh he's gonna take them all to the veggio fortress the uh the fortress from sonic spinball oh re- oh thank heavens i was so confused by why it's called the veggio fortress yeah. <laughs> that was so weird to me because i don't know sonic I spinball. forgot about that one i think that they did do, it's it's a funny thing. Like, there's been no sonic spinball tie-in in the comic no but there is a story like 50 issues from now <laughs> that's about that's written by Mark Miller what that's a 50 issues wait, from now yeah that's about Sonic getting trapped in like a pinball thing. right and it's not drawn by Richard Elson but it sort of looks like it was oh it, yeah it, it, it's it, that guy it, who it, draws it, like Richard Elson yeah. yeah it's at least I don't think it was my memory may be cheating me on that one but um it's got to have been an old inventory Mark Miller story right. that they pulled out of storage to yeah. fill in like three years after the fact, which I think maybe was written to be the actual Sonic Spinball tie-in issue, but right. it just never got published. Right. I love Sonic in the... I mean, I love Sonic. Who I love Sonic. <laughs> but I love him in this, where um, he just charges into the fight with, with uh, without... A care. Johnny says, We haven't got a plan. Sonic barrels through a bad and goes, How's this for a plan? And it's like, Yep, this is textbook Sonic, yep. you know. And I'm sure we all enjoy the sheer irritation Johnny expresses. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what's the use? Come on, guys. As we start to see how Sonic's attitude is not always appreciated by his friends. Yes, that's an important moment because. It's a- very important. Yeah, because there it is, Americans. There's the there's your story. The, his friends are annoyed by this, and they'll <laughs> they, they don't mind saying so out loud. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, then they get they all get captured because they've just blundered right into the middle of the fight. So Johnny says, "Real nice plan, Sonic." Sarcastically, yeah. and he's pointing, and he's got an angry face. And he's going, "Nice plan, Sonic." He's properly cross with him. And you, do you notice how the grin? This is. Like, <laughs> yes. Remember back? Remember back in issue. Yes. It was a Ferran Rodriguez issue. And the grin never left Sonic's face regardless of the situation. And we said at the time that it was was probably just a result of him being a bit overly literal in his copying of the Japanese style guide he was working from. But to us, it brought the character of Sonic as we understood him to life. 
And isn't that just the absolute truth with this one as well? Yeah. You know, Sonic replies to Johnny's angry remark, hey, everybody has an off day. And oh, the sh eating grain <laughs> all over his face and and on every other panel on the page as well every yeah. other panel yeah they usher him onto the ship and it's just off to the prison ship with the rest of your fluffy friends <laughs> i hope you realize i always travel first class and then whenever trusk is telling them they're going to go to the badnik processing plant do you see how he's yawning, he's yawning. i love that right drawing so yeah. much i it's love so that good. yawning drawing. that was why it was yeah. important to establish an eyelid color for sonic by this issue you see. <laughs> yes because the eyelids are all over this issue yeah and they're pink by the way every but time as, as we established last issue we have retired that segment unless we <laughs> yeah we <see laughs> something to the contrary apparently we haven't retired it but we've retired it <laughs> <laughs> and then the pirates in come the pirates and in a lovely picture where it's it's um it, uh, again actually mirroring that Ferran Rodriguez issue you have this dead on side view of the ship that they're on again, you know almost diagrammatical and then yeah behind it at a cool angle comes the pirate ship throwing its anchors towards the the robotic ship and it just well, looks yeah because we we probably need to explain yes the, the pirate ship flies it we flies. didn't know that last issue because we were in the Mystic Caves and it was sitting in a in a lagoon as yeah. I recall. But here uh, so, it's got yeah, they, a full jet actual... of flame coming out the back as it flies through the clouds. Yeah, it looks great. <laughs> yes, later on, like, now we know them as the Mystic Cave Pirates, or the Pirates of the Mystic Cave, but later they'll become known as the Sky Pirates. Oh, so they will! I forgot that, mm. yeah. Which Sega copied for, uh, what was it called? What was the Sky Pirates game on the Dreamcast? They didn't copy it. I know they didn't. A... <laughs> I know <laughs> they <laughs> didn't. <laughs> Skies of Eternia. That's the it. one. <laughs> Wait, is it? Skies of... Yeah. Oh. Ooh. Oh. Arcadia. Skies of Arcadia. You're thinking of all the other JRPGs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so the pirates are here, and they're all swinging around, and they're all rats, and they've got pirate hats on, and they're brilliant. Yeah, yeah I do love the designs of them. They're a bit Muppets Treasure island They are a oh, bit, yeah. yeah. So it turns out Sonic has planned this all along, and Johnny's like, well, why didn't you say anything? And Sonic's just, oh, the grin, just oh. bursting <laughs> and out it, of the... And spoil the surprise. And it explains why he was grinning, and it explains Sonic! Yeah. He knows what he's doing, he knows it'll be fine, so when he's got that little grin on his face, and when he's being rude and stuff, he know, it's because he's Sonic! And and, yeah. it, and then when he is in trouble, when you get a cliffhanger or something goes wrong, that's when you that's when you'll see his face will fall. But yes. oh, he's, Sonic's such a good character. He's so well written. <laughs> he's so well drawn. And then the bottom panel of the fight as everybody fights as he bounces from head to head of the badnik as he goes one side out the way, cool hedgehog coming through. <laughs> He's loving it. This is Sonic on a really good day, which yeah. maybe is the point of this yeah. being the first chapter before he's about to be put through oh, probably yes. one of the worst days that he's going to have in this five-part yeah. story. This is Sonic in full control of his environment and just loving it. Yeah. And by extension, we love it too. Yeah. That whole panel is really nice. Like, yeah. Johnny just clunking that guy in the head. Yeah, everyone's doing something in the background as the fight goes on. There's Amy with there's Amy with her crossbow and she is shooting yeah. it. Yep. There's heads popping off. <laughs> Limbs going every which way, yep. There's Tails doing a spin attack. You don't see that too often, you do don't. you? You don't. It's more it's not so it's not a full on spin attack. It's uh you know, he's hunched up, but also yeah. so is Sonic, and that's obviously meant to be a spin attack. So yeah, Tails is doing spin attacks. What fun. 
I mean, it beats magic armor. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we would hear this phrase, let's rumble a few more times, at the very yeah. least, in the very next issue. That's the order Sonic gives to the gang to... Uh... And that's a bit red dwarfy, isn't it? That's Because mm. Nigel's written them before. That all fits in with that sort of aesthetic. I never thought. Um, but but uh, what makes me chuckle then is we have the fight and then on the final page the opening caption is one rumble later. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Trusk is all tied up. Everybody's won. Borker and Filch have the little um, post-fight chat to uh, to reiterate what was set up at the end of last issue about how the Freedom Fighters give the pirates intel about what to steal and when from Robotnik and then the, uh, the pirates help them out in fights. And then Porker just chuckling away. And to think Captain Plunder started out wanting to steal Sonic's Chaos Emeralds, eh? <laughs> Those emeralds are staying safely in the North Cave on South Island where Sonic hid them. Yeah! <laughs> what am I saying? Have we have we name checked oh, South Island before? No, that's the first mention in this hmm. comic. And and it'll actually be mentioned um uh, a fair bit over the next like couple of issues because we'll go there next issue and right. then we have Sonic's world giving us the sort of lowdown yeah. on the planet and it'll it'll explain South Island is the home of uh, several of the hill zones if I recall yes. right. Yes, and as I understand it, that does go all the way back to Japan. Yes, like, yes, that is the name of the island. In, that's the name of the island. Ooh, Sonic and, One, Sonic Two, which one is it? Oh, I've it always thought both, but it's possibly just Sonic Two. I think Tails was from West Island or West Side Island or something like that. Sonic Island is the main setting of Sonic One. Oh, right, and I think that's because you know that's so you know in in Japan they're just conditioned to think of the world in terms of archipelagos and so on. So it's like it's made up of different islands, and the South Island that's where Sonic's from. But yeah, so South Island, a rare, a rare across all Sonic media thing. I mean, except the American stuff, but you know what they yeah. are. I'm just trying to see now what West Island is. It might be nothing. I certainly, no, I'm pretty sure you're right. Uh, well, yeah, West certainly, Side Island. West Side Island, West Side yeah. Island is the main setting of Sonic 2. Right. There you go. So that's why I think of it as where Tails is from. I guess that was a fan extrapolation. Maybe. Yeah. But, um, it's where he first met Tails. Anyway, you know, in, in Japanese game canon. That's what I'm thinking of, right? Yeah, yeah. There you go, that's that's Sonic, really? Yeah, that is the Sonic Terminator of Part 1. Uh, uh, just a really fun strip about Sonic on a good day, but with the, yeah. the shadow <laughs> yeah. of what is to come looming over it. That's brilliantly done. D Nigel's a really good writer. He really knew what he was doing with this, and he got it right. Next. Trail of the Chaos Emeralds. Yeah! Oh, oh, I'm so excited, both now and then. Just the, <laughs> just bringing the Chaos Emeralds in, you know? Yeah. It's they're, they're so cool! Yeah, this is the first time that they've they've appeared like as a story element. We've heard them mentioned, but uh, yeah. Because the idea is, yeah, I think, I think we said it last time, Sonic has the Emeralds in his possession after the events of Sonic 2. I don't think we even really see them in the origin story, do we? Except maybe as... Uh, they, Eight they green were things in there. an establishing yeah, yeah. shot, yeah. But they were all green, if I remember correctly. They were. This was one point on which my mum did point out that they were well, wrong there. Emeralds are supposed to be green. Yeah. <laughs> Refuse We've got three games in the review zone this fortnight Road Rash. Barkley, colon, shut up and jam. And uh, I do like to spread a bit of jam on me shut up, so I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> and we got Virtual Pinball. Now, I have played a tiny bit of Road Rash 2 because it's on the Mega Drive. Mini. Right. Um, 
and I, so I did get a good chuckle out of the comment that uh, Dave Gibbon drops at the end mm-hmm. of this review, uh, where he says that the multiplayer on the Game Gear version, um, it isn't simultaneous. I guess that means that the players play Taking one turns, after the yeah. other instead of on a split screen. Well, you can do a split screen on Game Gear, uh, which is probably a good thing as the Mega Drive two-player split screen game was terrible. Uh, I can confirm it was. Oh My dear. brothers and I stuck it on without a clue of what we were getting into for a bit of a bash back at Christmas, and it was just a proper cackling at how dreadful it was. Oh, okay. Oh, man. <laughs> well, uh, I did look this up, and uh, honestly, despite our inbuilt disdain for the 8-bit Sega stuff, throughout this podcast, if you listen back, I always go like, it looks pretty good, actually, when we're talking about Master System or Game Gear games, and I'll say it again here, that it, it wasn't yeah. distracting that it was the graphics were inferior to what I was used to on the Mega Drive at all. I do love Mr. Gibbon's utter bemusement <laughs> in the Barclay Shut Up and Jam one. That's a basketball yes. game. Um, uh, and he just... We don't know... I mean, basketball, I guess, wasn't much of a thing over here. Uh-huh. Is it even now, uh-huh. you know? But um, he he's so confused. Uh, this includes the great Sir Charles Barclay brackets question mark. <laughs> <laughs> That was just his nickname. <laughs> that was just Charles Barkley's what, nickname. Just Sir, Sir Charles. Charles. Bar- oh right. Yeah. Oh, I don't know who that is. A basketball player, I assume. I mean, I don't know him, but I know that Charles Barkley was a basketball player. I don't even know that. I believe that whatever Nike Air Jordan's real name was, he was a basketball player. I think. <laughs> He was just called Nike Air Jordan in my school because we only knew him from the trainers. <laughs> what about Space Jam? Oh, I've steered deliberately clear of Space Jam my whole life. I was—I think I must have been. Because it was basketball. Because it was, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because it was like they were—they were going like, you know, the thing you like, kids. Well, what if we put sports in it? Uh, no, thanks. Well, that is fair. <laughs> <laughs> so I've never watched it. I understand it's either good or at least a classic. <laughs> Depends very much who you ask in these days, yeah. Anyway, yeah, here's a pinball game. It says here that it doesn't look like a great one. <laughs> the picture is awful. I haven't even looked it up. Oh to check. my god, that's right. Look yeah, the that. screenshot is just it's it's just of the menu. And it's the biggest screenshot of the entire page. Yeah, it's the featured screenshot, and it's just a menu, and not only that. Like it, the, the the pixels have got crushed in the. It's illegible. Yeah, um, <laughs> let me tr- blow blow, which means play bum. Game farts parts rural, but no, because it cause so it's it's plow, which is actually play, <laughs> yeah. but with the bottom of the Y cut off and the top of the P. Uh, un player, uh, un plava, which of course is one player. So they've just got the top and the bottom <laughs> of each one. Let me just, let me look this game up. I didn't so much as look it up, and I wonder if this is a bouncing animated menu of the sort that would actually look kind of cool. In I think in... it's probably just a bad compression. Let's see. So this game is called. Plow, bum, farts, ourd, <laughs> skill, antrum, music. And the fact that it's just called Virtual Pinball as well. They didn't even come up with a name for it. Apocalypse Critic. Not even Virtua. <laughs> nope. That is just the menu. They haven't paused the game. That's just the menu. And it is in no way is it crushed up like this in the actual game. They, I, I, how this has happened, I can't possibly tell you. Um, well, as as incompetent as the presentation may be, we should probably note that this review is by Jenny Fromer, who is, I think we've only heard that name once before. Yes. Was she one of the ones that popped up that one time? Yeah, she co-wrote a review um, back in issue 22, and now she's mm. writing one of her own. 
And oh. you know it's a nice enough little review, to be honest. Well I, done, Jenny. Going up the ranks. You can you can tell the difference in the writing, you know? Yes. It's nice to break that up a bit. She doesn't, you know, describe the contents of the menu. Well, they got a picture for that, don't they? Dave Gibbon wouldn't have been able wouldn't have been able to <laughs> fill his lines if they just put that <laughs> screenshot into the uh, Maybe Dave Gibbon is the one who put that in. He was like, no, well, this review hasn't described all the options on the menu. What do we, I mean, we, we've got to put the screenshot in, don't we? Claire Gilmore was trying to design it. He kept leaning in and just expanding the window. Bigger, bigger, bigger. <laughs> There's um, more screenshot shenanigans later on. There is. Uh, mind you, I, I, can't let the, I, I can't let us turn the page and move away from this without pointing out once again the the. the God, awful, ugly, pink and green. I know. I was just oh, going to bring it up the uh, for. the yikes pencils background here again. <laughs> oh my god, yeah, <laughs> I love those. <laughs> it looks even worse than last issue. I don't know how, but it does. It's not. Yeah, it's it. not great. And it's and and the text is white against pink. It's difficult to read. Well, no, it's black against pink on the first page. On the first, and page. then it changes to white against pink on the second page. Even though nothing is. Well, I guess. Oh no, the background does invert. Across the background the inverts, and I think yeah. the green goes deeper a couple of shades to the one yeah, from oh, the does. box yeah. on the top left. But the pink is about the same, and it's yeah. um, yes, it's not perfect on the eyes. It's huggerly. It is huggerly. <laughs> and, uh, it's very nineties. And we're going to have to suffer through it for quite a while, to my memory. <laughs> but while we're here, why don't we turn to the back page? Because we've been saving it up. We've actually had this advert before, but we just randomly forgot to mention it, and it's a good job, because right now we've got the Game Gear Master System review of Road Rash, and on the back cover, for a couple of issues, not including the previous one, which had a pin-up of skates on it, we have the advert for Road Rash on the Game Gear and Master System. The Game Gear one is the box that's that's shown. This ad is doing an awful lot of heavy lifting mm. con- conceptually yeah <laughs> it, it it says across like like the, the main image is of somebody with road rash as knuckle tats on two clenched fists <laughs> yeah gripping a length of chain yeah and, and the, uh, the 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 you don't see you can't the, see the person don't imagine a person black mm. background with just these two fists two big fists and it says the dot 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 White knuckle ride up at the top, and I'm not sure what that's trying to even. Yeah, is it supposed? Is it meant to be like the white knuckle ride, as if to emphasize is this is it's it's the, the white one. knuckle yeah. ride? Yeah, the one I think. Or is it um, the white knuckle ride? <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, let me just read this 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 yeah. copy text down below. Take the hottest bike sim ever. Toss in a lethal off-road racetrack, add enough hard-hitting action to satisfy the bloodthirstiest gamer, and then trash the rulebook. What do you got? Violence at 150 miles per hour. It's you against 16 psychos on superbikes in a race to the grave. (laughs) These rashers are out to kick, punch, club, and hack you to bits. And that's when they're being nice. You, you're practicing a few moves of your own to leave these guys spread across the track. First past the post gets the dosh to buy a meaner machine. Rashers, do some damage, get some speed. <laughs> it is that sort of advert, isn't it? It's doing an awful lot of heavy lifting when then you actually play the game. <laughs> Despite the biodrone tattoos on the guy's hand. <laughs> no, yeah. right? Not oh. on his knuckles either. Just yeah, like yeah, on, just his on, his, on his fingers. Because it would hurt to rub a biro into your knuckles. It would, wouldn't it? <laughs> wouldn't it? Yeah. But um, 
But, you know, I looked it up. It looks fine to me, the game. It looks quite I fun. Did, I did kind of chuckle. I, I, I'm not sure if there's actually a copy error at the end of this or not. First past the post gets the dosh to buy a mean machine. Rashers! And there's yeah. no punctuation or anything. <laughs> yeah, rashers. it just says, Rashers and then, in caps lock. And then a fresh line, and then in bold yeah. text, with, with a, a capital, capital D letter to open the yeah. sentence as if it's a separate sentence. Do some damage, get some speed. So, yeah, I yeah. don't know if that Rashers is supposed to be there or not. Maybe maybe whoever was writing it just suddenly got hungry. Yeah, well, <laughs> like it says up here, these Rashers, air quotes, are out to kick, punch, club, and hack. And I, th- I wondered maybe if the capital Rashers was supposed to go there, but, <laughs> you know... <laughs> Well, so they highlighted it, typed rashes in caps lock, but they're all yeah, software. And they saved it at the end that. of the thing so they could <laughs> copy paste it back in where it needed to go and forgot. <laughs> Eternal Champions! Part 6, written by Michael Cook, with art by John Howard and letters by Tom Frame. The champions fare poorly in their dockside battle with Nakano's bio-key-controlled war machine, but when Trident clings onto its hull, Nakano seals his own doom by diving the machine into the ocean in an effort to shake the Atlantean off. In his element, Trident is able to smash his way into the machine's cockpit and blow it up. The champions return to the future to tan Trident's wounds, but unbeknownst to them, Nakano still lives, and the course of history has not yet been altered. It's weird with Eternal Champions. I did kind of like it back in the day, but it's such a strange comic. Like, more so than things like Streets of Rage, I always felt like it didn't quite fit SDC. Yes, it, I think it's working to feel like it's from another comic. Yeah. I think they're aiming for variety with this full-on superhero team-up style comic. But it does really stand out as being remarkably different from anything else you get in the comic, I think. feels a lot more like they're trying to be uh, very American with it. That's right, Um, it's the American bit of the comic. Yeah. No, but I mean, like, I was intrigued by the game. I remember renting it and playing it a few times. Oh, really? Until I somehow did one of those special death scenes. No. It freaked little Abby out and (laughs) she turned the Mega Drive off. Oh, really? (laughs) Didn't play that again. Oh, (laughs) I was going to say, yeah, that would be enough to turn little Abby off from it completely. The problem was that I wasn't expecting it with Eternal Champions. It was different when I rented Mortal uh, Mortal Kombat Kombat. Ah. and promised my mum that I would not put in the cheat for blood. (laughs) Put in the cheat for blood? I put in the cheat for blood. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because I was going to say, right away. The little Abby, our listeners know. She left the room. (laughs) (laughs) The little Abby, our listeners know, is the one who paints blood into the the comics. I think. I think it was just that I wasn't expecting it. Yeah. It wasn't particularly gory. It just seemed like the game had had magically done this scary thing. Right, it had turned a dark corner without warning. So I remember it was the room with the big fan behind you. Yeah. And you throw a guy in the fan. Mm. And I thought, is that in the game? Or is the game haunted? <laughs> you know? Right. It's like it just did this inexplicable thing and I just thought, nope. Because right. I couldn't really cope. I'd seen glitches before and I couldn't cope with them. So when <laughs> games do... When people do those like uh, creepypastas with game glitches or... Like, I was going to say, you would have gone... Had it existed, you would have gone straight on Reddit to talk about the ultra-realistic Oh my blood. gosh. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, but the uh, the whole idea of glitching games used in horror is something I love. So yeah. when people use that now, I just think it's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, I kind of like Eternal Champions. It's another one of those things that I thought wasn't really for me because mm. I don't know. I didn't know what kinky was back then. <laughs> but I probably I just had the sense that there's a lot of people in their pants in this. 
There is a lot of people in Nearly their pants. Nearly everyone's in their pants. Yep. But especially her. Especially her. Especially yep. her. First panel, first page, arse and leg. <laughs> just us. Else. The rest of her is off the panel, yep. yeah. It's just all arse and leg. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we are also getting fish cake arse. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, but look at that carefully placed laser beam to just uh, yeah. disguise much of the cleft. I mean, what am, yeah. I, what am I supposed to do with that? You know? There's a suggestion of cleft. You can see the beginning of it there. <laughs> oh, the suggestion of cleft. Ping! There's the episode title. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, though, a lot of SCC doesn't, even when I look at it now, doesn't really feel sexy. No. Good. Okay. Sure. No, but. I mean, even when you go back to Golden Axe, yeah. okay, you've got Tyrus, yeah, and she's in her bikini and pants, yeah. Mm. But it does—I don't know—it didn't feel like that. Yeah, sexy. yeah, no, I know yeah, what you mean. When you I mean, look yeah. at that, I go, "Would this be drawn exactly the same in a more adult-oriented comic? Is this their idea of drawing sexy, or are they know. toning it down?" I, I feel like, I feel like no one's really. I mean, even here, okay, because the know... leather and fishnets, there's—it's not toned down. Yeah, but I don't sort of look at it and go, whoa. Yeah. You know, no, yeah, it's... they're not doing big, uh, salacious, l- lingering drawings or, or anything. Yeah. Yeah. It's not quite that sort of Jim Lee era, you know? No. There's not that sort of... You remember the way they used to do boobs in the American comics then? You'd get the black sort of shadow right at the bottom to really oh, make them round. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> yep. STC trying to do sort of something a bit more adult here. Skin and bit, muscles, yeah. Yeah. It's strange. I can't think of any future strips where they would even have the opportunity. I think Eternal Champions was as sexy as it got in Sonic <laughs> yeah. the Comic. <laughs> it's the height of sexy. I don't know, that Commander Brutus, though, he was pretty high. <laughs> <laughs> so, Chris, Abby, at the very beginning, in the first page of Eternal Champions, this issue, is Shadow being shot directly through the boob there? It does look like it. It seems to go in at the armpit. And out at the boob in the form of blood, maybe. Yeah. It does a bit, actually. I mean, she's she has a wound on the second to last panel. Oh, sorry, 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 the last page. Last panel of the second page. Yeah, she has a boob wound. Oh, my word. Well. That's no fun. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> what else can you say? So this is um, mostly just a whip-wap-bash fighty issue. Yes, where uh, Trident is the one who gets the, the save the day bit, for whatever reason. Yes, it's, it feels a little bit out of the blue, doesn't it? He suddenly snaps and goes like, do you know what? Actually, I hate you. I'm going to completely <laughs> beat up your machine solo for ages. Yeah, I mean, it's not out of character or anything, no. you know, he, he the fact that he, that Nakano specifically talks about how he plans to use this technology to foster war around the globe, sell it to terrorists, government, dictators and despots. Trident specifically, as one of the champions, lost Atlantis to mankind's warlike yeah. ways. So it makes sense that it would fire him up, but... Um, I wonder if it was this, because, I mean, I've said in previous issues how I always liked Trident, yeah. and I wonder if part of that in my memory is is that he got the big save the day thing yeah. in this issue, and and got the cover for the first part of one of the single most memorable yes. multi-part stories in all of, uh, of in all of Sonic the Comic, yeah. that he's just been burned into my memory that way. But this is a great sequence either way, and how, Howard is really killing it with the and art uh, as well. Interesting, yeah. mentioning the cover, um, top of page three, first panel, it is a retread of the same action moment yeah he's cutting through that same pipe it's a completely different drawing from a completely different angle 
um, a, a more dynamic one, actually, as opposed to sort of like here is the character cover style presentation. But yeah, that he's he's smashing through that pipe, and those little wires are coming out of it. Same. But I enjoy how the panels break up there. That's uh, yeah, yeah. There's some good panels. That's really stuff nice. In this one, yeah. You like this one here on the same page? The way we have um, these are borderless panels to sort of maybe emphasize the fact that it's set underwater, you know? Oh yeah. Um, uh, and, but then you notice like the the oh, uh, yeah. when it, when he smashes into the cockpit, do you see how the left hand side of the panel and then at the very bottom right of the panel are are straight edged, as if like he breaks in through the formless part of the art and and breaks into the oh. panel, the inside oh, wow. of the machine. Actually, there's a bit up at the up at the top there as well. It's like he's exploding out of the formless panel outside the borders, yeah. bursting into it, and then and then below it here when he he uh, it's not the same arc, but like this this panel is it's an irregular shape that just sort of sweeps across the um the page. There's just like the the right hand side is uh, shorter than the left hand side, so it's like an 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 arc as if it's sweeping away into the distance. Yeah. And then in that, it's not the same arc as I say, but he swings his trident to cut the wires that uh, that connect Nakano to the machine as well. Yeah, it's all good stuff. Good, but that's roughly all that happens. Yeah, it's just a big old actioner. Yeah, and the art I would say is particularly good in this mm. one, um, really showing how how violent this green guy is and how impressive he is because while we've always said good things about john howard we've seen 12 issues now of him essentially drawing the same ninjas martial artist stuff and this is where he really gets to uh after last issues weird misfire as far as the staging of the art went. yeah i suspect that was done in a bit of a hurry yeah. whereas this one he's really he's really doing something in. different you know this is not his usual fare in the pages of sonic the comic and he's yeah it's a lovely it. fight yeah, it's great. <laughs> What's the name of the caveman I've forgotten? Is it Slash? Slash. Right. So he gets completely, it looks like, obliterated earlier on. Mm. Oh, yeah. Okay. By, by Nakano's big pink main gun yeah. artillery I mean, thing. he gets fatumed. He gets fatumed. That's pretty dramatic. Yeah. Tri- Trident? Trident. <laughs> Trident. I, I kept wanting to call him a Trident. Yeah. Same <laughs> problem I was doing. Yeah. <laughs> So he comes whooshing him out of the water. He's victorious. He's done great. And everyone's all, oh no! Oh no, we've got to get him home. We've got to fix him up. <laughs> yeah. And like, Slash has been completely fried. Yeah. We do see a panel of him there smoking in Blade's <laughs> yeah. arms. So yeah. he is okay. But, but no yeah, one cares. I mean, Trident's <laughs> still like, conscious. We've got to get Trident yeah, home. Yeah. He sort of looks dead, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah. But they're not really talking about him. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's we must worried tend to about the Atlantean. Yeah, not not the caveman. We're we're not. We don't care about him. But then, what about <laughs> the um in the character profiles? Did she fancy Trident, and is that why she's paying attention to him particularly? No, but she didn't like Slash. Ah! Yeah. <laughs> well, so, <maybe laughs> that, so there you go. It's actually perfectly in character. That's Jetta, we're talking about just for the listeners. Yes. Do you know it's a funny thing? I, I remember this happened once before, and I forgot to point it out in a previous chapter. But um, you see, they're just down at the bottom of the page here, where they're discussing about needing to go. You know, Shadow says there's no guarantee Nakano is dead. We should check. And uh, Jetta says we have no time. 
Yeah. <laughs> for for one word out of the entirety <laughs> nice. of her dialogue, they decide to phonetically render her accent. And anyway, she's <laughs> Russian, so that, that that's more of a German I mean, phoneticism. I mean, voice-wise, this no time. comic would sound like the 90s X-Men cartoon, wouldn't it? it yeah. It have exactly that sort of Constantly dialogue. Constantly aggravating, yes, it would. <laughs> to, be, you, you, uh, to be fair, phonetic rendering of accents, another yeah. exceptionally Chris Claremont X-Men treat. <laughs> yeah. I remember they did it once before, and I forgot to mentioned it i think she said z's instead of these yes um which again not more german than russian well they're very similar written down in a in a 90s comic aren't they? i suppose lovely bit on the left of this page though where the panel the ship explodes and tried yeah. sort oh, of outswims gorgeous. the explosion and it's the artist full bleed out to the edge of the page yeah that's yeah. good yeah Lovely. And um, I do like the ending then as well, because do you remember last issue we were saying, well, it turns out that the, the champions go into the future to get the weapons to rescue their friends was completely pointless because the friends were already saved and the guns didn't do anything. <laughs> yes. But then they throw the little Terminator twist on it. Where it turns out that um, Nakano, well, we know we see Nakano's hand emerge from the water as the champions teleport out, and um, we see that they then, in the coming months, they relaunch the BioKey project. They're able to construct a fighter craft because although the champions have destroyed the prototype and wiped the files from the system, they recovered the cyber gun yeah. from the bottom of the river where Trident left it. And it, obviously it makes sense because it was a cybernetic weapon that was literally wired into a bloke's body. Yeah. It has bio-key technology there you in go. it. Yeah. It's the Terminator twist where they find the arm in the industrial press and then that means Terminators get built. <laughs> and I like that the last bit is epilogue. You don't get a lot of epilogues in STC, and it's always nice to see them. Mm. Uh, well, so so that is Eternal Champions, and um, I, I enjoyed it quite a lot overall, I think. We've had an alright time with it. I mean, Dave, you didn't go into this with, uh, with a lot of expectations, did you? I went in, uh, yes, thinking that I would be completely uninterested in anything of this genre unless it was done very well. Um, because I'm not, you know, I, I, it's not that I will never read a superhero comic, but it has to be done well to keep my interest. I would. I won't say it sustained my interest all the way through, but I. I see the uh, the goodness in it. <laughs> I'll go that far. When did it start to lose you? Just when it's just them, you know, going. We'll run over there and fight them, and then they do. You know that stuff. No, I have enjoyed Eternal Champions, uh, but the uh, the funny thing is now I'll be interested to see how you think about the uh, the second strip. As Megadroid noted, I don't remember if we mentioned it, but um, another series of both Eternal Champions and Shinobi are in the planning already yes. he says and um the second one of of these eternal champions is a uh, is very different i remember really liking it oh. yeah I, I look forward to seeing how it shakes out because i don't i don't remember <laughs> yeah. but we will talk about the sequel when we get to it because i don't think it's for a while okay. i don't remember when it is but it feels like it's far enough off in, in the distance yet news gosh it's not a very interesting news zone this issue is it no, it's, it's just a, it's just a list of games that are coming out yeah and the first ones are about sports oh world cup usa 94 uh. i did have um urban strike the, the the little box down at the bottom is that ea is coming out with their third uh strike game following up yes. jungle strike and desert strike i did have urban strike and i enjoyed urban strike it was good i was surprised they didn't get one of the strike games on the mega drive mini to be honest it, in my memory they were one of the more notable series on the mega drive but maybe that was just me hmm but me and Abby did like the next bit. Uh, <laughs> War is hell. Sensible set to turn your bedroom into a battleground. And this is only short, so I'll just read it to you. Mm -hmm. 
yet another of sensible, brackets, soccer, software's home computer hits is coming to the Mega Drive. Cannon fodder! This is a controversial combat simulation. I'll take the word for it, I don't remember it being controversial. Yeah. Where the player takes control of troops of toy soldiers, in quotes toy, also not the case, they're just small, um, and attempts to wipe out the opposition across different terrains. In addition to the jungle, arctic wastes, desert moorlands, and underground base found in the original Amiga version, the Mega Drive incarnation will feature some new locations. Expect to see something before 1994 is over. In the meantime, here's a picture from the Amiga version of Cannon Fodder. Trust us, it will look almost identical on the Mega Drive. No, <laughs> can I... Can I step in here and ask a question? Go ahead. Isn't that Doom? Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. They've printed a picture of Doom, and they've put under it, find out why war is hell, with cannon fodder. <laughs> because I thought perhaps it was a Doom clone. No. Uh, but then I went and I looked it up. Uh, so I... you're, you're personally unfamiliar with cannon fodder then? I am. But but I went to look up Cannon Fodder. Yes. See, I knew you would because it's an Amiga. But but uh, <laughs> that's that, that's Doom. They've printed a picture of there. It's not Doom. Cannon, Cannon Fodder was one of the big games me and my brother used to play on the Amiga. Was it? it was oh, yeah. what a lovely time you must have had! It was a very good game. Very good time. It was. It makes sense. It was made by the sensible soccer people because again, it's little fellas running around. You're above them, but this time you're clicking them and you know pointing, clicking them at enemies and they're, they're shooting them and it's a it's a big very tongue-in-cheek very british war game where every time you lose a life another grave appears on the hill and you actually have a you have a sort of mourning for the people who fell in battle and their names go up and it's the names of the people who coded the game uh. you know they've got a big bank of names so that every time you get a new guy they have a new name but as you look at the hill on which all of these gravestones are appearing. There's just a queue of civilians queuing up to be the next cannon fodder. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, I was never a fan of those uh, point-and-click strategy-type mm. games. My brother liked them. I mean, we're talking about PlayStation here. I wouldn't. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't imagine a worse format to play mm. it on than the Mega Drive. This is the thing. On the Amiga, they were completely, and presumably on uh, DOS as well, and Windows, they were completely at home. But then, yes, when they started doing it on consoles, that has never made sense to me. No. Not much else of interest, to be honest. Just a list of companies that are converting arcades or producing versions of games based on arcades for the console. Yes, this isn't interesting to children. No. At all. It's interesting to, well, I don't know, shareholders. I don't know who it's interesting yeah, to. Not interesting to me either. Like the, the most interesting thing here is is that they were bringing Dragon's Lair to Mega Drive. Yes. That's the, uh... We ought to say roughly what it says for anyone who it would be interesting for. Basically, yeah. Interplay is going to be making some conversions of... Stuff. Rock and roll racing yeah, and clay fighter and the Lost Vikings too. Yeah. So it's just some information of of, of yeah. a sort that isn't very interesting or delivered in, in a way that hooks anybody really. Yes, it's no no flavour to it. And and uh, yeah, Elite are working on Dragon's Lair. I did take issue with this. Uh, it's much more traditional interactive run and jump and hack and slash experience than the simple laser disc <laughs> arcade machine from the early eighties. Yes. Simple. Yeah. I mean, in 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 game control, it's input maybe, was, yeah. Jesus. yeah. Then they're also doing Joe and Mac and Doctor Franken. Um, I think the most interesting thing here is over in the short burst section. Mm. Would you agree? The uh, MD3 yes, is I the would. name of the header. There is rumor surrounding a new Sega console codenamed Jupiter coming out soon. Sega's much touted 32-bit Saturn console 
another mention of the Saturn, yeah, there like is again. last issue, which as STC had to told us absolutely nothing about before now, as if we just already know what it is, should be available early next year, but before then, it's rumoured that our souped-up Mega Drive will appear, perhaps as early as this summer. There's certainly something on the horizon, but here at Sonic the Comic, we are as yet to be convinced that it's a new form of the Mega Drive. There's only one thing certain about the computer entertainment industry, and that's that nothing is certain. Uh, so, I, I imagine you looked this one up, same uh, as I did. did. And, uh, yeah, the Jupiter was apparently Not going to the be... the 32X. That was my first thought. Yeah. Was yeah. it the 32X? But then I went, but, wait um, a minute, wasn't that called Project Mars? And Mars, that's why I went to yes. look it up. Um, so this was going to be a 32-bit cartridge-based console yeah. that, that simply never happened. Yeah, and what's what's really interesting about it is that the Saturn acknowledged it and was being built with backward compatibility in it. Because it had a cartridge slot That's it, what it? the yeah. cartridge slot on the Saturn was for. Yeah, I always assumed that. it was for fancy memory cards yeah. or something, but apparently that slot... Never got used. It was just for backward compatibility with the Jupiter, which never came out. But yeah, otherwise, then it's a blooming sport again after Sports that. Sports again. I mean, and I, and I do feel a certain amount of fealty to my listeners, and I, and I feel as if it, the, Seb might be interested to know what sports games there are, but I don't see how he could be. They just keep bringing out yet more games that are like, football again, football again, basketball again. Well, I'll read <laughs> the names just for Seb's benefit. <laughs> NBA Jam is out already, and in the coming months we'll have NBA Showdown, Jam It, Barkley Shut Up and Jam, Hyper Dunk, which is tremendous as a name, and the possibility of a version of Tiny Toons Sports in which Buster and Friends play basketball. And then Shock Fu is also on the way. Yeah, the oddball of the bunch, as they describe it. Yes. In which basketball's newest superstar, Shaq takes on the opposition in a combat simulation along the lines of Final Fight and Streets of Rage. I feel like I've heard of Shaq. I remember that being reviewed, yeah. Shaquille O'Neal. Of course you've heard of Shaq, because you've heard of Shaq Fu. I've heard of Shaquille O'Neal. I can't can't promise you I've heard of Shaq Fu. I, no, I have. The you term heard of the game Shaq Fu. The term makes sense as a sequence of letters making up what are nearly words in my brain, but I don't know anything about what it. What kind of a video game Twitch streamer are you? The kind that doesn't <laughs> care about anything to do with sports and has always refused to watch Space Jam. That's what guy. So is it a Twitch thing? Okay, well, this is something for the quarantine. you got to get Space <laughs> Jam watched. Oh, God. <laughs> Abby, take care of that. God. Come on and slam. I don't want to. <laughs> You're welcome to the jam. <laughs> Just a we have uh, the half-page advert for the Superman-Batman comic from the last already. issue. Yeah. Uh, then on the bottom half of that page, we have the results of the Pugsy yeah. Gold Grab Compo Remember this? from uh, number 15. Yeah, where they were giving away a special gold-signed disc of Pugsy, of all things, <laughs> yes. and a number of inflatable Pugsies. I laughed because Pugsy didn't really have much lasting appeal among gamers, but like... At the time, I thought of him as a as a gaming character, so I shouldn't be so well, rude. The key with a lot of these competitions was to strike while the buzz was hot before yes. the poor children had the opportunity to play the games. <laughs> but then, this is made by the Wiz and Liz people, so I probably would like it. Well, I, the folks at STC wouldn't. Um. <laughs> <laughs> the question, if you remember, was what's the name of Sonic's home planet? Which we all know is... 
Planet Freedom. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> the winners were Graham Swan from Wishaw in Scotland. Uh-huh. The second prize winner was Carolyn Clarkson from Clarkston in Glasgow in Scotland. Big Scotland represent in the winner. And the runners-up were Scott Bramley, Michael Burleson, Michael Day, Sal Fung, Craig Jolly, oh, Craig and Jolly. Adam Moe. And as always, if any of you are out there listening, please do drop us a line and let you, let us know. Because it's just, it's nice. And then we have a full page advert that really sank its tendrils into me, Chris. Oh I, yeah, I bet it did. <laughs> when I saw this, I was intrigued back in 1994. I couldn't give two Really? Shit. Yeah, no, I was... But look at it! I could not have been less interested in... It looks so in, cool! Couldn't have cared less Big about anime and manga thing. back then when I was that age. This is a full page advert for The Giver. Yes! The UK's... And it was this concept that interested me. I had no memory of that. I had no memory of this sentence before I read this right now. And I will admit this is a fascinating (laughs) way to market something. The UK's first monthly video comic. Video Dash Comic. Which was a fancy way of saying that this is the 12-episode Giver Bio Booster Armor Anime Original Video Animation. And they were going to release one video every month for a year. Yeah. Um, One video, one episode, on a regular schedule every month. This is Manga Video. Each cassette, only $5.99. And then they said each issue, they've got their hooks in me now. Video comic talk. Yeah, so that is a pretty fascinating way to market something. I mean, it's a really unusual thing we weren't used to back then, the idea of something going straight to video as a series. No, absolutely. Um, that, that's the thing, and I'll mention that in a moment. Abby, do you have a memory of this advert? Did this do anything for you? Um, It does stick in my head. Um, yeah. But there were quite a lot like this at that time, where a lot of video game magazines that I was reading at the oh. time, because I read a lot of Mega Drive yeah. stuff, and this is how I first found out about Battle Angel. It was mm. an really? advert for the movie they did. Yeah, well, wasn't it, like with Sonic, wasn't it two half-hour episodes that they put together on a yes, video or something? Yes, I think so. Which I suppose would have been Based how OVAs two... did pilots in those Yeah, days. yeah. This is what's so interesting about this. So, okay, so, listeners, what we're looking at is a big robot suit guy walking out towards the camera out of a big fire. That's what we're really looking at. It's an arresting image, I won't lie. It is. It grabs the eye the way that that, uh, you know, the the Choose Your Own Adventure book that I was into several issues ago did. And it says, The UK's first monthly video comic, The Giver, rated 15. The battle commences April 11, with subsequent episodes released every month. The Giver is the ultimate weapon, a combat suit which interfaces biologically with the human host. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. A mysterious mecha of alien design. Cool, 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 cool. An awesome adversary against biomorphic zoonoids. Cool! Presumably, whatever that is. <laughs> Data 1, and then there's a picture of a video of this. The Giver, and it's the... There he is again, but this time he's 
you can see a human face coming through the mask. And it says, Data 1, Genesis of the Giver. Reserve your copy of the next episode at Virgin, HMV, WH Smith, Our Price, Sam Goody, John Menzies, Game Limited, Future Zone, Woolworth, Forbidden Planet, BTs of London, slash virtual reality, and all good video and comic shops. Collect all 12 episodes, each episode only 5.99 SRP. Now... What is that, though, is I'm asking myself. And then, in the corner, there's an extra little bit. Yeah, this one confused me. I yeah. didn't have time to look this one up. Uh, collect each installment of Hellcat, H-E-L-L-K-A-T-T, a unique comic strip series from Tony Luke and Alan Grant, two of the comic world's most talented contributors. So what are now, we what looking at What is this, a here? comic packaged in with the video? Exactly. As a way to, to, fun to functionally sell it as a video comic? This has been my question for 26 years. Like, it, what were we looking... What is... It doesn't say what it is. It's like... Because, I mean, we recognise that there was such a thing in Japan as anime coming out on video in this way, in instalments. But not really here. And apparently there were, but that those ones would have been recent as well. The ones that you read in the um, gaming magazines, I think. Mm. So at the time, I'm looking at this with just no clue what I was what I was looking at. And now I'm fascinated that this happened because basically what it looks like happened here was that manga video must have looked at the OVA phenomenon and gone, well, there's no reason we shouldn't do that in the UK. And they're bringing them out. And it's episodic videos coming out, which was, like, that never happened. If you, you know, episodes of stuff on video came out, but when they'd been on telly, you could collect your Red Dwarf episodes, you could collect your Star Trek episodes, but when they'd been on... I mean, this is 1994. There can't have even really been complete video collections of a lot of TV series at that point in time. It was not ordinary, no. You might be able yeah. to get one or two episodes of something. And in fact, there was a, a, a TV series quite dear to my heart, probably mentioned it before, Gophers. They did release the first two episodes on home video, but then that was it of the whole series. And that's why it's so damn hard to get. And so I've looked up what this was. Not only was it The Giver, it was yeah. actually a UK version of The Giver. And I don't know quite what that means because the only version of it on YouTube is the UK version. So you can watch this very, very easily. And, and, and I did. I watched a couple of episodes. Where, where it differs, I don't know, because they're all talking in American accents, but maybe they're just, you know, bad. I was going to say, it's probably just... I, I think that the American release of it might have put two episodes per tape or, or something like that and the British release just went with one episode to go so whenever they say British version yeah. that's probably what they mean it probably means the dub with individual credits because it was the same dub so far as I know well they yes although I suspect that because of that I suspect that the opening sequence was a British dub because that's a British voice going you know the year is ah, this there's really. a cyber suit that sort of stuff so you I can really hear him pronouncing the extra use. Yeah. So that <laughs> Guyver. So that's <laughs> um, Guyvala. So that's probably uh, what was British about it. Although there are a couple of British voices in the cast that I found convincingly British, or, or maybe just the one. But um, as for the comic, it's lovely. This it was simply printed on the back of the insert. The oh. so as you opened up the box, there was a comic on the inside of it. That's quite nice. Yeah. I like that. 
Yeah, that is quite nice. What a strange... And did the comic have anything to do with no, the guy? No, 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 no nothing I, to do with it. Was it wasn't a, even an attempt at doing... I mean, it didn't, it didn't sound like it from the name. No, it wasn't a tie-in in any way. Now, as I understand it, over the years and with access to the internet, I've come to understand that Guyver is a, a, an, an ill-thought-of anime, that it isn't a good one. Is it? I don't know. I, I seem to... It is something that I do have in my mind a sort of a British association with, though, because yeah. I feel like when I do see people talking about it... Yeah, it's favourable, and they're all oh. Brits. Oh! Yeah. Oh. So I, I feel like this was maybe quite a formative anime-watching experience for people of, of our age and inclination. Well, I wouldn't be at all surprised, because here it is in kids' comics, even though it's rated 15. Goodness knows 15. what it's doing in this. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but yeah, well, of course... We had that advert page not long ago with Uritsuki Doji in. That's true. That's true. <laughs> but, but, they, but that, at least, I got the impression, could have also gone in games magazines. This... I don't know, there's something so... Cause it's oh no, full I can page. see this being in a games magazine. Yes, but because it's a full-page ad, it's very clearly targeted, whereas the rest of the one with Uratsuki Doji was suitable for this. I think... This is for kids who are reading Eternal Champions yes. and Streets of Rage. The kids who fancy themselves a bit like into older kids stuff. I bet they sent off for this because it, it ain't that much. Five ninety nine. It's quite a bit no. in those days, but you you know the better to do parents could perhaps be talked into it. I watched the first two episodes and I I liked it and I would have liked it back in the day because it's exactly what you're thinking of except a little bit more twee. It is. <laughs> The, the person in the suit is just a school kid who's, oh, who's like, you know, just, you know, I'm supposed to be studying and stuff. And he's a <laughs> he's that sort of that sort of anime character. And his best friend is like the Samwise Gamgee of of anime. <laughs> he's like that. And then, you know, there's a couple of girls and one of them fancies one of them or something. And, you know, it's that sort of anime. But also there's this massive suit. And when he's in the suit, he's not like, I will defeat you. He's going like, Oh no, what's happening to my body? <laughs> but the stuff that's going on is people are, you know, quite grotesquely turning into monsters and ripping mm. bits of each other off. And there is yeah. there is the shot where, you know, there'll be a quick movement and then the whole jaw will explode off their adversary in a flood of blood. It's that sort of anime. I enjoyed yeah, it. It was anime released direct to video in the 1990s, it, as yeah. I believe is the genre. Yes. And it, I loved it. I thought it was really cool. <laughs> Shinobi, The Art of War, Part 6. Written by Alan McKenzie, art by John Howard, letters by Ellie DeVille. Seemingly left unconscious by the nerve gas, Musashi is brought before the Neo-Zed supreme ninja, the Void, and his enforcers, the Four Elements. The villains bring out Naoko to witness the defeated Musashi, but it turns out he isn't as defeated as they thought, having used the art of prana to enter a trance and escape the effects of the gas. Taught by his sensei to only start a fight he knows he can win, rather than battle the Zed ninjas, Musashi grabs Naoko and leaps out of a window, escaping on his hang glider backpack. I forgot about his hang glider backpack. Yeah, from the first part. So yeah, I think I think um, we said that he appeared dead at the end of last issue, but uh, turns out he was only supposed to appear unconscious. Yes, I thought that it was going to turn out that he had a special mask on or something under his mask, but mm. actually he was just he was in the art of prana. Yeah, I like that. That's uh, that's that's neat because it goes with the uh, stuff like Harage and these oh, yeah. vaguely supernatural ninja powers that they possess. Yes, it's one of his built-in powers that makes him 
a bit more interesting than were he just a bloke who can punch good. Which, as the uh, as the and it's the return of the footnotes to explain that yes. Prana is a kind of trance in which a ninja can slow his heartbeat and breathe shallowly to appear dead. Yeah, um, and it's not the first footnote either, because on the on the very first <laughs> panel, echoing the yes, Pinku, that's Japanese for pink, bento box post of law. <laughs> Hurry, the elements will want to question him. Ima. Asterisk. An impolite way of saying no. Is it? Japanese speakers, write in. Is this is this I feel like it's right. Is this writer someone who and, and this is and I want your opinions of this based on the whole series. Is this someone who knows a load of like actual stuff? Or is this someone who's watched two martial arts films and is making up the rest? That I would be interested to know either way. <laughs> I feel like the truth is somewhere between those two things. But... <laughs> yeah. I love the uh, dragon in the background on the first page. Yeah, he's doing panels. all these background dragons yeah. oh. again. Oh, just peeking between the panels. Yeah, the first Ooh. panel is, you know, it's essentially bordered by bamboo sticks and there's this dragon just peeking around it going, hello, I'm a dragon. <laughs> hello, I'm here as well. In fact, I wonder if that's the same dragon that's been flitting through the background of several issues. No, the other one was green, wasn't it? Uh, mm. Oh, has it been the four elements, maybe? Uh, oh. Uh, um, uh, maybe, I don't know. Mm. I, I couldn't remember if the elements were even in this strip, to be honest. Then they popped Ooh. up in the final chapter here. Yeah, it's not to do very much. No, uh, but then the, the third Shinobi strip, as I recall, is titled The Four Elements. So it's uh-huh. when, uh, when they finally get some focus after appearing only in the final chapters of each of the previous two series. Yes. And we also meet their boss, the Void. Yeah. Who the, the is Shredder. The Shredder. Yeah, basically. <laughs> Supreme ninja of the Neo Zed, but he's not actually the leader. Now, the funny thing is, this is our first introduction to this character in sonic the comic but it's yes. not actually the first mention of the character no because um in the um shinobi strip in the sonic the hedgehog yearbook that yes. came out at, sort of like in mid 1993 right around the start of sonic the comic the internet insists that it predated stc i remember it coming out and it was during STC. Yeah, well, we've done some detective work on this. I think people think that the t- there were two of these yearbooks. And I think mm-hmm. people think that they came out in 91 and 92 because those are the copyright dates for Sega and Sonic the Hedgehog that are published inside the covers. Oh. The first one of these yearbooks contains a picture of the Sonic balloon from the 1993 right. Euro Grand Prix. <laughs> yes. And that happened in mid-April of that year. So this is the yearbook, the first of these yearbooks, was something that was in production around the same time as the first issues of Sonic the comic Mm. were so it came out sort of it might have even been it's one of those things where like we tend to associate annuals and yearbooks with Christmas because that's when we get them but they didn't actually come out then they tend to come out around mid-year so that's probably when uh, when that came out after a couple of issues of Sonic the comic were out now I know I did I only ever owned it in paperback so that may well have been 94 or 95 before I owned it, but um, it did exist in hardback, which I didn't know. Dave, you had it in hardback? Uh, my copy was and remains yeah. hardback, and I know when I got it, and it was when I knew who Richard Elson was, because I looked at the cover, and it was a Richard Elson cover. Can you be more specific? No. <laughs> <laughs> Sadly I thought you were going to tell me a year. No, I can't. Well, no, but it must have been... Christmas 93 at the earliest. At the, uh, yeah, at the yeah. very earliest. That's That's all I can give you. Um, yeah. But it wasn't before STC came out. Although no, I would not. be prepared to believe that it was actually made before, yes. or at least parts of it were made before. Yes, uh, STC had begun, but other parts, not so sure. 
No. I mean, the Shinobi strip features Musashi wearing the purple outfit from the first yep. Shinobi strip. And He's not in Robotnik his... is Robotnik yeah. throughout. No. Uh, uh, but then in the second one of these yearbooks, which again people think came out in 92, he's in... Do the... they? Well, Nonsense. I know, because he's in the Adventures design. Yeah. You know, pe- people think the first one came out in 91, and then the other one came out in 92. It's the confusion of the copyright dates and the... I mean, I'm pretty sure Tales is Adventures Tales on the cover of it. Uh, yeah, it quite could well be, yeah. I don't know, because I never got that one. Anyway, because we the might first do, one was rubbish. <laughs> we might do some bonus episodes yeah. looking at them, but yes, they are quite rubbish, and there's nothing <laughs> too important in them as far as Sonic the Comic goes, except for the point that I got derailed there, yes. which is that uh, at one point in the Shinobi strip, in the first of these yearbooks, Musashi uh, locates a Zed hideout by spotting the surreptitiously placed character for Void, denoting mm-hmm. the secret leader of the Neo Zed. Right. Who does not appear in the strip, but is is referenced, and here he is the um, the fifth classic element, uh, as far as Japan is concerned. Listener, if you would like to picture the design of Void, we were joking before, but do picture the Shredder from Turtles. Then take the three pronged metal bit of his hat off him, and there you go. That's Void from Shinobi. <laughs> <laughs> he's got a hood. Yeah, he's, yes, yes. Replace his hat with a hood. Everything else same. No spikes either. I... Yes, look at him. Oh no, that's just shine. shine. That's oh, okay. just tweens. I have solved a mystery that bothered me a lot as a kid. Have you? Well, not bothered me, but I thought that's strange. Yeah. I thought the guy who brought in Musashi was called Yosh. Oh, Yosh, you have done your du- your duty. Yes, <laughs> done your duty. <laughs> but actually, <laughs> but actually, it's because he's, he's going yes. Yosh. I did it in the robotic voice of it there because that's how I think of the word (laughs) you just started shaking your hands back and forth it's because you're shaking a chow chow. (laughs) yeah like Dr. Robotnik but yeah now I know what's going on there Yeah, that's thanks to Dr. Eggman in Sonic Adventure 2. We came to think of it as a, you know, almost the Japanese version of okay, but with a couple of other meanings and contexts thrown in that don't quite fit that description. It is an expression of excitement or enthusiasm equivalent to saying all right or okay Mm. in English. So there we go. We've got a Yosh. Which again, again, is evidence that Alan McKenzie does know Has some watched Japan subtitled stuff. anime and therefore <laughs> believes that he knows everything about Japanese culture. No. Yeah. <laughs> I love this one ninja whose job it is to just put the stool down. Oh yeah, yeah. that guy's great. <laughs> the ninja of the stool. <laughs> just puts a little stool down for, for the void to come and sit in this ominous green spotlight. <laughs> what a and she's pawn, pointing seriously there. though like what 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 a load of posturing nonsense it's a broadly lit skyscraper like <laughs> dojo style room but he's all comes out and sits in this ominous green spotlight with his head down on a wee yeah. stool that somebody has to scuttle in and place and scuttle out before he <laughs> next page is some of my favorite like panel layout stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot happening. Yeah, he's tossed loads of panels all over this page. There One, are two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, nine panels. Nine panels. And not in the nine panel grid format. No, they are <laughs> scattered in a. It's as if he's. There's an air of having, you know, tossed them onto the page, but they've landed in the way that communicates the action the best and speeds up and slows down the camera the best. It's great. I love it. it in fact, it's very manga. <laughs> It is a bit, yeah. A lot of the panels have slanted tops and bottoms. They're different sizes, different shapes. They're all done to best fit the action and the storytelling in. It's something It's something I've always admired 
of good manga artists, their ability to do this. I wish I knew how they come up with it. There must be a lot of trial and error. There must be a lot of drafts of each page done in the thumbnail stage to figure out what would be best. I like that the uh, void is brought down by his own sinister light. Yes! Oh! Musashi cuts the rope on his big, dumb, green yes! spotlight and everybody <laughs> has to scatter to get out of the way as it lands and explodes from the looks of things. If you could be a little less theatrical, you yeah. might have got out of this all right. Having done that, Musashi grabs her, smashes through the window, and they just fall, seemingly, for a long way. And the ninjas mm. are going, he's falling a long way. I bet he's going to die. <laughs> he would never endanger the girl like that unless he had a plan. The Void knows that they're going to be fine. You know, they haven't flung no. themselves out to die. Time enough to eliminate Joe Musashi. But now more important matters demand our attention. So just letting him go. Just letting him go. And then we get the final <laughs> page where he clicks out his glider, glides to safety, and then reveal. Did we know this reveal, or is it a reveal that it's I a reveal. forgot? Yeah, yeah. Which that Naoko all along has been the daughter of his old sensei that we've been seeing in the flashbacks. I believe we know that from the first strip, but I don't think that has been stated in this. Strip. Oh right, and that's been a long time to have to remember that. Yeah. So, yeah, it came as a surprise to me. And, of course, and the the final panel is great because they're, you know, embracing in the bottom corner and then the top and the rest of it are flashback-style ink, you know, the coloured ink that they've been using for yeah. the flashbacks with a big sunburst in the background. Just like a big glowing spotlight. Yeah, mm. with, with sort of patches of glow in the speed line glows coming out of it. And a really cool dramatic shot of the sensei there with his sword out and held to the side and... His hair whipping in the wind. Because this uh, this issue doesn't have a flashback page. That's like all right, the other it doesn't. chapters in this issue. Yeah, but there wasn't there wasn't room for it. You know, he had already put his final lesson. I mean, I mean, they they sneak one extra lesson in here that your father, my sensei, always taught me to fight only when I knew I could win. Mm. I'm like, oh, I'm pretty sure he taught you to kick the other fellow in the balls. Like if, <laughs> if, if the previous five chapters of this have stressed anything, it was always to uh, to fight dirty. But they could have left it there. That They know. could have ended Shinobi here, yeah, because he has succeeded in rescuing Naoko from yeah. the Neo Z. Which is what he's been trying to do since issue one, literally. The Z who also poisoned his sensei, and he has used his sensei's teachings to defeat them and rescue Naoko. So yeah, this could have been the end of Shinobi if they wanted it to be. Yeah, and uh, now, after the last couple of issues of hard work, John Howard gets a well-earned rest. Good work, John. Have a rest. Put your oh, feet lovely. up. So yeah, what do we think about this Shinobi serial now that it's over? Um, it th there's no reasonable criticisms of it that I have, but I think I preferred the first one. Maybe just because of the pleasant surprise of the first one amid mm -hmm. all of the sort of cartoon antics I was expecting. I'm not sure if I preferred the first one or not. I mean, I guess I had, I definitely would have what I would call fewer complaints about the first one. Not mm. that they're real complaints, but no, it, not complaints. I mean, where, where this serial fell down was that it had a sort of framework in place, a structure, a, a theme that it was working with, that it just wasn't able to see through to its fullest. The, the first issue did and implied that we would be seeing for the rest of it flashbacks to communicate a different lesson from the art of war that Musashi would 
employ in in the course of the thing and then you know the the final chapter would be all that had brought him there to this point a very good promise for a premise that that's a cool idea and had it been as strong throughout i would be all about it but it wasn't yeah in the end it was the same lesson three times and then the other two lessons were like things that he forgot and things that he fell victim to the zed employing uh, against him yeah but this is this is a great final chapter the first story had just had a lot more structure you know you had boss each week basically yeah and yeah that's simple but it was a lot of fun yeah the down floor by floor structure of the of the first one was great it was very very simple and that that was its strength i think that was what it was i think the character of the first shinobi was that there was very little happening but it was happening at the perfect pace and that was a real breath of fresh air whereas here i think he may have overshot with such a good I think premise, so, yeah. but that perhaps just wasn't. These practical. final two chapters have pulled it off, though. Generally speaking, yeah. like the previous chapter was like, all right, here's a lesson that you have to learn, and then he employed the lesson, and that was set up as a cliffhanger that then fed through into this next one as we found out what it was that he had really done, you know, and it brought the story to a real. You know, these these last two chapters lived up to the promise of it, but the 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 three in between the first one and this one, there was a lot of sort of muddling of the idea that didn't quite pull it off it was never bad no never never, certainly never when, quite and, bad. and it wasn't anything i picked up on when i was a kid reading it no um, but but as an adult who perceives what the idea for the strip was supposed to be i, I do see how it didn't quite live up to its ambition on that regard back issues it's the back issue zone at yeah. long last after being trailed for a couple of issues now yeah. it's uh, affording Quite boomers the issues. opportunity to order up anything from issues 1 through 14 at the moment well one and four are both sold out. Yeah. And there's only a few left of numbers two, seven, uh, ten, and fourteen. So it is a bit of a compo if you get lucky to see if you get in there. Yeah. <laughs> now, I imagine that people were just, you know, filling in their collections. So there's probably not much we can yeah. read other than the first issue being sold out. Can anybody yeah. remember what was in issue four? Just in, I'm trying to think if there was anything in that uh, one that would make it a special It was the one. first Nigel story. Uh, that to us now? It makes yeah. sense why yeah. that's not on eBay, but I don't see the kids being that interested there. No, I mean, it's just the rest of the parts of everything else. There's nothing unusual in there. Yeah, Who knows? well... Maybe news agents just under-ordered it because it was the fourth issue uh, and there were a few issues in. Maybe. Missed out on any of the power-packed issues of Sonic the Comic? Pining over the loss of thrills and excitement beyond belief? Well, worry no more, Sonic Boomer. Now you can... Sonic Boomer. Now you can enter the back issue zone. Simply select the issue or issues of your choice, provided they're not sold out. Fill in the form on the right of the page and send it off. It's one-stop back issue shopping, the STC way. You do have to order a minimum of four, though. They charge you £1.10 for them, too. It includes postage and packaging. And obviously for 12 of the 14 issues here, these were originally 95p. Oh, yes. But, you know, if you order issues 13 and 14, you're stealing the post off them because they were £1.10. Yeah, and you should have been there at the start boomers you should have been reading <laughs> it's your fault where were you i do this this one here though anytime i ever see anything like this in in the in little terms and conditions books it gives me a <laughs> shiver um fleetway editions reserves the right to substitute one issue <gasps> if the issue of choice is unavailable oh my goodness me i don't like it this is why i've never you know ordered the van to come round from tesco and, you know, I just hear the stories about how they go, like, you know, oh, you wanted... Nine-pack of toilet roll, but here's a 12-pack of light bulbs. Exactly, yeah, that's the most recent one. Remember that better than that bloke on the fast show? It's that. That's why I've never used it. Yeah, God, imagine the disappointment of you only needed issue five. Yeah. And you sent off and they give you issue seven. 
and you've got that one. The oh, the crushing disappointment, and you paid for that. <laughs> Wonderboy. Wonderboy in Ghost World Part Three, written by Mark Isles, art by Bojan Jukatch, and letters by Elita Fell. Credits missing from this issue again, but I read ahead oh. to future issues to confirm this was Elita Fell on the lettering. The ghostly cavemen and mammoth turn out only to be running from an armored dinosaur ghost who magically transforms Lookout to stone. Shion uses the last of his magic to teleport the dinosaur away, and he and Wordsmith set off for the nearby Dino Town to search for a way to change Lookout back. They stop off at a trading post to stock up on weapons and potions, but when Shion climbs a tree to survey Dino Town from above, he's attacked by a ghostly Archaeopteryx. I liked this one. Yeah, what's going on? <laughs> These are fun. This Wonderboy series is good. I think what's happened here is that they've seen that you're allowed to do decap attack. <laughs> and they've gone, oh, okay then, let's be silly. The art feels even a little different from the very first part of this serial. Never mind how mm. far removed completely it feels from the, the first Wonderboy story now as well. Yeah. Like, you know, we we have this mammoth and, and, and uh, caveman storm past. We, we we saw them come over the horizon at the end of last issue going, kill, kill. And then we find that it's kill, kill, he's going to kill me. And he runs on past. What's he oh, running yeah. from? Oh, I didn't. <laughs> it's been so long since I read the previous issue. I never picked up on that. And they think, oh, we must be running from whatever it is. It must be something pretty terrifying. And then this ridiculous looking <laughs> dinosaur. This it's, it's a theropod dinosaur in a big, stupid, pointy helmet and a piece of uh, a torso armor comes out of the woods holding a spear. <laughs> stops dead in front of them and, and sniffs them or something and then they, they just look at it. And it's, and it's only like maybe a, a head and shoulders taller than Shion. It's not a full-size T-Rex or anything. Terrifying enough for you, Shion? <laughs> We read that wrong, didn't we? Because we we thought that it was like, you know, like that. What was supposed <laughs> to be drawn here was terrifying. So it's like it must be pretty terrifying. And then, brah, terrifying enough for you, Cheyenne. So at first we were we were a little bit tripped over by how ridiculously silly this guy is <laughs> coming waddling in. Got my little spare. I mean, I'm pretty sure it's. I hope I it's think, supposed to be yeah, silly because it would right. be a fierce I mean, misfire if it wasn't. Yeah, I think but then right. it, you know, then it it speaks. Dino magic happen and stone the old one. Yeah. And it casts magic on Lookout and turns her to stone. And she's ranting about being called old even as she turns to stone. <laughs> he just looks like he's straight out of that Star Fox Adventures game, doesn't he? Oh, you're right, he does. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so I can just hear those horrible voices. Like, no, that's too loud. Dino magic. <laughs> Dino magic happen and stone the old one. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, then the next thing Cheyenne does, I wrote, you know, uses his magic to teleport the dinosaur away. But what he does, let magic appear and spell me instant holiday. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it, I love this bit. <laughs> let magic appear and spell me instant holiday and by the way he appears to be doing air guitar as he does this <laughs> does look a bit like that doesn't like, it especially with the zigzag lightnings coming out I, I kind of think it is and the face he's pulling and then I thought it would be that they all warp off to somewhere nice but no it's that the dinosaur ghost warps off to somewhere nice and here we have a panel <laughs> <laughs> 
a very strange holiday resort, as the caption says. He appears on a beach in uh, in, in trunks and a, and a Sega yeah. baseball cap and a Sonic head rubber ring. And just yeah. enjoying the sun over on the right-hand side are the cast of Golden Axe. Yeah, <laughs> with a comic open on the sand. We can all guess which one. Yeah. And they've got a sword and a bucket <laughs> stuck in the sand. And the Golden Axe itself wedged in a palm tree. Yeah, and they're just looking over like, oh. The last appearance the Golden Axe cast would have in, in oh, like the it comic, is, of sadly. course, because there wouldn't be another strip. <laughs> well, because they've all... that. That's the, Now we know what happened. They all yeah, went to the they beach. They all went on holiday. <laughs> And the dinosaur killed them. No! <laughs> I love this bit where they go to the trading post. It's, yes. Well, there's a goof, first of all, for the, the, the oh, yeah. caption says, later in Dino Town. Yeah, and that confused not, me because they, on the next page, there, yeah, yeah. on the next page, they're going like, well, we're approaching Dino Town. And I, I didn't realise it was a goof. I just thought, like, what's going on? I just thought I was really confused. Yeah. It's just a trading post on the way. And, D- Dave, do you have to horrify and frustrate me with another identification of a Mark Isles pun or I couldn't figure it out no, yeah. I couldn't see what this was Tom's trading post and supply emporium now this is what the the ghostly man who runs the trading post um mm. says he calls it Tom's trading post and supply emporium but his speech bubble does cover part yeah. of the the nameplate on the building and the, I don't know if there's a joke under that Tom something plumbers trade and then the rest of it's Something. cut off to uh, tom plump tom and plump tom's yeah. plumbers i don't know anyway turns out this fellow yeah, used yeah. to be a plumber when he was alive so all his supplies have all bit of uh, pipes and taps and everything on it but yeah. I, I do the shyon says do you have anything without pipes or taps attached oh lord no he was a plumber you see and i love i love this line is like it's all free help yourselves you used to have to make a living but now I'm dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and there's swords with taps coming off them hung up on the wall and stuff like that. There's an axe hung up with just a little tap coming off the axe head. <laughs> and you see in the next panel, there are shields that they've bought, or toilet lids. Oh my god! <laughs> oh, I missed that. Oh, uh, okay, I really like Wonder Boy now. Yeah, I know, right? This is good now. This is so, it's miles away from what they were doing before. And yeah, like, I don't know why it's is, so different, but it's so much better. This suits Wonder Boy the game more. Yeah. Why were they trying to go all serious before? This, I'm surprised at how good this is, to be honest, because I didn't have a particularly glowing memory of it. No. But uh, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. We were dreading it, weren't we? We thought yeah. it was... Yeah, I didn't remember it, this one very fondly either. Yeah. And it kind of coloured my reading at first. Yeah. And then, you know, as I went back through it again, I thought, oh no, it's quite sweet. <laughs> I mean, maybe, it, I don't know, we're, we're three parts in now. Maybe it goes off yeah. a cliff in the back half, mm. but I don't know. It's been really entertaining so far. Yeah. It is a it is a weird sort of idea, though, isn't it? I mean, okay, well, okay, I mean, yes, all the dinosaurs are dead, so I guess they would live in ghost world. But it's the fact that it's not just a world of dinosaur ghosts and, and like, plumbers and ordinary guys also <laughs> live here, too. Yeah. <laughs> so this is just where everybody who's dead goes to hang out, and they're just <laughs> doing a dinosaur story because... I guess that's just what they're doing because Jurassic Park came out last year. Yep, I suppose so. <laughs> speed lines. It's a crammed speed lines this issue, isn't it? Yeah, lots of little ones peppered all over the place. Got five letters and two pictures really squeezed in. Yeah, doesn't that cat that someone has... 
So yeah, I love this one. Daniel Peacock of Altrincham has uh, drawn a loop, a sonic loop in an approximation of a Green Hill style zone, but has stuck onto that a photo of a cat, maybe Daniel's own cat. Presumably, it is Daniel's pet cat Tiddles. Yes, although come on, who really calls their cat Tiddles? It was so that... 1994. We didn't. Maybe, know it was maybe it's. It sounds like editorial to me. <laughs> it does, I think it doesn't might, it? Yeah, might just be because I mean, it's difficult to cut a real photo out and stick that on something. Mm. A drawing. I've done it. You can do it. In as much as he obviously couldn't cut the poor cat's tail out properly and drew it <laughs> in with crayon. One on, yeah. <laughs> so I, I wonder if that might be uh, cut out of a magazine or something. It might just be a cat, but um, well, maybe. Oh, and there's Chris with providing the cat sound effects. That's very good. Yeah, <laughs> um, <Well>, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> and he's and he's lying on top of the loop there. Doesn't it make you think of get? Have you get to get? Yes. There's something get. about it that's just the right sort of cat for that. <laughs> not seen, not seen that, Chris. Don't know what that is. No, oh, it's an old meme. And when I say old, I mean like 15 years old. I shall have to, I shall have to find it and send it to you. The other picture in this one is from Adam Berry of Bolton in Lancashire, who has drawn Mrs. Doubt Sonic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think he sees Mrs. Doubtfire the way the same way Mrs. Doubtfire. Because... Yeah, well, I mean, there's nothing about the pick. Well, the caption says Mrs. Doubt Sonic. The, oh, the, the, the you're ca- right there. But but but. Oh, but uh, so, you're and right what it is? There. It is. Yes, yeah, yeah. you. You're, you're so far yeah. ahead of me. <laughs> We're in sync on this one. All he's drawn is it's Sonic, but holding a cane and with like lipstick and, and with uh, a curly eyel- eyelashes around the pupils of his eyes rather oh, than around the. Uh, but they are red, <laughs> so I thought he was just bloodshot. <laughs> <laughs> and yes, and and, and a wig. Uh, but, and the only thing implying that it's anything more than Sonic as an old lady is the fact that he's drawn rated PG up in the yes. corner in a big hand-drawn PG logo. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Like a film would be. Well, I'm fairly sure that Mrs. Doubtfire was a 12, because I remember it being my first 12. I could, of course, sure. be wrong about that, but that's that's how my memory is, so... Maybe it was. I like this one up here. Uh, Mum in a Million from Mrs. Oh, yeah, C. Dacombe from Murdown. Dear STC, as a mum of two STC fans, I thought I would tell you of my efforts, i.e. I transformed a dreaded turtle's clock into a sonic clock with the aid of your free stickers. <laughs> I also made my son Carl a birthday cake complete with gold-coloured rings, which took me quite a long time. As I've done all this hard work, I would love a sonic water fun game to unwind with. <laughs> I might even let the children have a go, providing they do the washing up and tidy their rooms, etc. I love that. We don't usually send out valuable prizes to older humes, Mrs. D, says Megadroid, but it sounds like you've earned it. This annoys me. I don't like this. What? Dear STC, my dad got so sick of seeing STC that he gave me a wallop and chucked it in the bin. When I went to dig it out, it was covered in baked beans. That's from Michael Booth. And Megadroid says, Michael... Sounds like an interesting combination. Did it taste good? And I well, understand that they have to play it off, but that is the literal... That's the second letter that's just literal yep. child abuse. Yeah, the first one was that the dad threw the comic, threw out, the the comic out the window. Threw the comic out the window of a car. Which, there was yeah. no wallop involved in that one. Yeah. This one has a wallop. And yeah, I, there's, it's the way that it's just... It's just printed. We just, yeah, yeah, we'll put that in the comic. We won't react as if we've even noticed that anyone walloped a child during this. We'll just print it. It's normal. It's part of life. Ooh. Yeah. So weird. Yeah, 94, yeah. man. It was a different time. 
Uh, we can't escape football even on the Speedlines page, though, Ugh. as Tom Pizzy of Parliament Hill in London... Uh, Tom uh, Pizzy! <laughs> he writes in to remark on the Sonic in a Manchester United football kit drawing from issue 15 and uh, doesn't think he's very good at drawing himself and hopes someone out there can do Sonic in a Tottenham strip. Yeah. Well, Aww. And replies, Come on, you boomers! <laughs> Or Tom will be as sick as a coot. Isn't that what you footballing humes say? I mean, Dave and I are going to have to take Megatroid's word at that. <laughs> I don't know. We can't comment. Seb! <laughs> More parental trouble over in the magic words from Ashley Belshaw in Hucknall. Can you help me, please? Every time I mention Sonic the Hedgehog to my mum, she lets out a loud, piercing scream up to 30 <laughs> times a day. Can you suggest a cure? <laughs> I quite like that one. <laughs> My mum seemed to put up with it a lot, but I would literally follow her around the house talking oh, about no. things. Yeah. Mum, mum, <laughs> listen, mum. Mum, listen, are you listening? The retro, it stands for retro <laughs> orbital chaos compressor. Mum, 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 are you listening? <laughs> and I'd, I genuinely would stand outside the toilet still talking to <laughs> it. Oh my goodness me. <laughs> she come out and just give me a look. Oh my goodness. I presume despair. <laughs> but she was very patient. He's got pointy knuckles, mum, but, right, the thing is, there's only two pointy knuckles, so he must have other knuckles that aren't pointy. <laughs> mum. Well, what do you think? <laughs> I hate to be the one to break the news to, Ashley, but it sounds like your mother could be Dr. Robotnik in disguise. This would explain why she gets so irate at the mere mention of Sonic the... Ah! What? Just noticed the title of one of the letters they've given it, and I'm... it just feels oh, like a bad thing. dear me. <laughs> what? Bottom left. Oh, God. Oh, Christ. I'm realising I don't think I actually even read the letter headers on a single one of these. Ganel, that's atrocious. It is. We end on a sour note on this last one. How about, um, what if we just present the letter first? Yes, that's what because, I, yes. Yeah. So what this letter is from Anila Durai from Lahore in Pakistan. I hope I've pronounced that correctly. Uh, Dear STC, I think your magazine is really wonderful. I loved the story Day of the Badniks and the pictures were really cool. That was from issue four. Uh, and, you know, you may think issue four, that's a long, that's 20 whole issues ago. And then. It goes on to say, the problem is that because I live in Pakistan, I'm unable to get STC Direct and have to wait. And Megadroid replies, uh, glad to know that STC reaches parts of the world that other magazines can't. And that's, that's all fine that's and dandy. Fine, isn't it? Nothing wrong with that. That's, yeah. that's fine. That could come from any Megadroid, not just the one who puts the uh, third poster mag at the top of his reading recommendations. Yeah, this is Son of Revenge of the Poster Mag. I don't know if, how clearly we've got this across to you, but all of the letters on the letters page always have a sort of banner... A sort of little title. Just like a little yeah. a little soundbite. It's a little a joke, fun, a funny so like, like, the baked beans on the comic in the bin is half-baked. Mm. Or mum in a million for, for Mrs. C. Dacombe there, who's, who's made the cake. And, the, and on this one... I'm not saying it, you say it. Oh, do I have to? All right. Yeah, sorry. So, so on this one... What the, the the content of that one is someone appreciating the comic, is someone uh, tr working harder than the rest of us to get to the comic, maybe, or at least waiting longer. They could have come up with something based on that. No, the title is... Apologies, listeners. The title is Curry Favour. Because the person is from Pakistan. Yep. And that's the main thing 
But whoever it was that wrote that title noticed. I mean, it's Richard Burton, isn't it? I mean, is it? We pretty sure the the book Burton. stops with Richard Burton, so we'll yeah, have to well, yeah. we'll have to put it there. Richard, behave. Sit down. Behave, seriously. We have to keep calling you out now on this. Yeah. The sexism we keep finding as well. Yeah. A, a sour note to end on, but the final note it is. Well, it needn't be. Let's end on something better, because we've got a letter in our STCTP mailbag, uh, which can be accessed by sending letters to stctpodcast at gmail.com. And uh friend of the show... And football correspondent Seb Patrick has written to us. And he says, Hello chaps, I wanted to drop you a line off the back of your Eternal Champions special. Which is why we're covering this letter, this particular issue. Because we're waving goodbye to Eternal Champions now for a while. And indeed your coverage of the ongoing Eternal Champions strip in STC. I don't have much in the way of memories of this series. The comic strip started at around the time when I was dropping off STC. Only picking up the odd issue here and there and being disinterested in most of the backup strips that weren't Streets of Rage or Decap. Outrageous. I found it really interesting to hear you talk about the strips and going back and reading them because now that I look at them properly they feel like something that's really up my street yet back in 1994 it's very different the only memory I have of Eternal Champions is of it being a game that was really aggressively marketed as being superior to Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat there were adverts running in the game's press and probably in STC as well which you may recall I've attached one here in case not that really went in on how much better it supposedly was directly referencing Street Fighter characters by name and implying they were rubbish yeah <laughs> My school friends and I were huge Street Fighter fans, and we didn't like seeing an upstart new game marketing itself in opposition like this. It was one thing to claim it was potentially better, but at the same time, it suggested that the games and characters we loved were sh- It very definitely put several of us against the idea of even trying Eternal Champions, and is probably why I've never paid any attention to anything the franchise did since then. I'm not saying this marketing campaign was necessarily wrong or a failure. As you've explained on the podcast, the first game did do quite well, and it was actually Sega of Japan that chose to kill the series, but from my point of view I wonder how differently I might have felt if the campaign had actually bothered to include any mention of the game's story, or explain the fact that it was effectively about a team of time-travelling X-Men style superheroes. That's so completely up my street that I probably would have been all over it, and spent the last 25 years lamenting that there weren't more games or spin-off materials. The character material talked about in the special is loads of fun and gives depth and background, if riddled with cliché, to an extent that you mostly don't see in games, particularly of this era. Mm. Anyway, all I really wanted to do was thank you for bringing all of this to my attention, because if not for this podcast, I wouldn't have realised that something I was so dead set against was actually such a fun little portion of Sega and STC's peak era history. And now... I feel like I won't rest until IDW or somebody does an all-new Eternal Champions revival comic that actually leans fully into the superhero trappings. Keep up the good work, boomers. Seb. And sure enough, he's sent an image... To prepare for Eternal Champions, you Street Fighter 2 as your training wheels. You probably aren't prepared for such an intense fighting game. Few are. That's why we've included the Hollow Trainer and Instant Replay to help rid you for fierce competition. You'll battle nine huge warriors, each with their own martial arts fighting style like Jeet Kune Do and Ninjitsu with, <laughs> with 35 killer moves. Any of these guys could kick Guile's butt. Get good enough and you'll discover all the cool overkills. Prepare yourself, because when it comes to pain, it's better to give and receive. You slay. You slay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
Oh, look at these captions. Oh, yeah. In a full force attack, blade humble slash in China. Look at these warriors. They're huge. A, w- a wimp like Blanco wouldn't stand a chance. Of course, he wasn't called Slash in the UK version. He was called Slash. You <laughs> Slash. Check out Rax doing a few kicks in okay. the practice mode. There he goes. Name another game that lets you own your skills before battle. Don't rat your brain. There ain't any. You can't, mate. So there we go. Thanks for that one, Seb. Remember, any other boomers who want to write into Speedlines can do so at STCT Podcast. Not STCTP, STCT Podcast at gmail.com. We do, by the way, have some letters we haven't read out yet. That's just because we haven't. We're not ignoring you. We'll probably read them out. These episodes are long enough already. I, it's, fi- it's finding the time. <laughs> it is. <laughs> Speaking of Seb, I should probably just mention as well that I uh, recently uh, guest starred on his podcast, Cinematic Universe. That's at cinematicuniverse.com. And I am on there talking about X-Men, Days of Future Past. Next issue, new, new, new. At last, the questions you dared to ask answered. What is it? Where is it? Who lives there? Sonic's World, the new mega series that takes the lid off a whole planet. Oh, Dave, I was... (laughs) Up the walls with excitement! <laughs> oh this yeah, one. yeah. It's only three parts long, and it did every. I was loved it, loved it. I love it now. And then they just squandered the potential of the oh, whole thing in the Sadly. years that would come. Plus, return to the streets of rage. He's hell on wheels. <gasps> he skits, and this is his story. Plus, news reviews, Q Zone, and the return of the Graphic Zone. Oh. STC 25, so hot it's cool. On so sale Saturday, the 30th cool. of April, £1.10. <laughs> Only a Mario would miss it. <laughs> Abby, what were your feelings on anticipating Sonic's World here? Because I actually don't remember being clever enough to figure out it was something to be excited about until it happened. Oh, no, I was really keen. Yeah. I- Law, learning some law about Sonic. <laughs> yeah. Yes, please. So you're like Chris, you like your find... fact files. I love a fact file. Would we find out about his past? Yeah. Where he came from? Yeah. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> Not really, but that's fine, because now I appreciate that. But I was at that age where I yeah. was like, I wonder what Sonic's whole family tree is. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. There, there was an age range where you're like curious about No, this. I know, yeah. And then you learn better. Look at this artwork in the background. Yeah. It appears to be... So, as usual, the data strip that nobody ever filled in is uh, along the side. So it's a, uh, it's not a full page. It's just over half the page is taken up with this next issue stuff. And in the background, where previously they've used either just a pattern or a bit of clip art, here we have what looks like two bespoke full drawings of Sonic, but for some reason reduced down to extremely pixelated <laughs> low mm. resolution and then printed like that. It, and it looks to me as if it's not reduced. It, it looks to me like actual someone drew it with a mouse on a computer or something. Yeah, yeah. Well, these are panels from, from Sonic's World. I recognize the panels. Oh, are they? Uh, yeah, it's by, art by Mike Hadley. Um, but I don't know why they look the way they do. Eh? So it is reduced then. It wasn't drawn like this at all. Well, they're not that much larger than they would have been published in the comic. Oh, so it's possible that they, they just blew them up but hit the M- wrong maybe, switch? Maybe two or three times the size. But, you know, not at such a size that it would result in this MS Paint look. No, that's what it looks like. It looks like MS Paint. I mean, it, it Good MS Paint. It looks like a master of MS Paint. Do you know what I bet it is? is What's that? I, I don't know how exactly, but it's it looks like the black and white line art yeah. 
coloured in MS Paint with the flood yeah. tool. Mm. Yes, it does look like that. Uh, yeah, there's even a little mm. bit of white edges around. Yeah, the, uh, look the at this in pillar the in the bottom right. <laughs> oh gosh, yeah, there's whole sections that aren't filled yeah. in. So it might not be MS Paint, but it's I mean, something. What the heck else was there in '94? There was D Paint. Not an Amiga kid, not an Amiga kid. So, uh, <laughs> they weren't putting Sonic the comic together on Amigas. It was illegal. It's a Sega comic. Hey, they might have done. <laughs> what? Amiga's not Nintendo. <laughs> done in Mario Paint. Yeah, <laughs> that was illegal. Yeah. But anyway, they look cool. So nice. To, I don't know. It's nice to see them done that way for some reason. So that's STCTP. Thanks for joining us again. If you want to get the podcast itself, you can get that on Apple Podcasts or stctp.wigglehe.com. Uh, you can follow the podcast on Twitter at Sonic Podcast, and we're also on there individually. I'm at Chris McFeely. I'm at Demon Tomato Dave. And I'm at Abby Ryder. With a Y. And um, you can probably see my cover of IDW Sonic the Hedgehog comic. Uh, issue 28 there's also an annual coming out soon um i've drawn a six page story for that that's very exciting um and i am also currently working on the phoenix which is the british kids comic which comes out once a week drawing claire justice ninja ninja of justice which i'm very excited about it's a really fun comic it is and that is perfect for if you happen to be for instance going to be spending a lot of time indoors with your children so if you're in that situation Get a subscription to the Phoenix. Honestly, your yeah, it's really your children nice. will thank you. And they also, if um, a subscription is a bit overwhelming for you and you'd rather something more complete, they also do graphic novel collections of mm. a lot of their stories, which yes. are awesome. And also, if anyone's got any little ones that need a bit of entertainment over the next few weeks, the show that I've been storyboarding for, uh, Daisy and Ollie, starts at the end of March. Um, so it should be running for a while now on Milkshake on channel five it's uh the very cute little episode so if you've got some tiny ones i'd sit them in front of that it's very sweet i'm quite excited and abby and i have uh, made an all ages comic ourselves and you can find that online you can read the whole first issue it's called imaginary gumbo and you'll find it at imaginarygumbo.com and if you would like to purchase our opening theme then that is something you can do as well because that's by sonic the comic the band who you will find along with their song synchronize our theme tune at sonicthecomic.bandcamp.com You'll find me and Dave both on YouTube under our own names. Dave's on Twitch as well. That's right, and I'm going to be using it a bit more than usual in the upcoming, so uh, that is twitch.tv forward slash and of course Demon Tomato Dave. But never mind that, this has been Sonic the Comic, the podcast. And we will see you in two weeks' time. Oh, imagine a Richard Elson, Deptford Mice graphic novel. Oh, don't.